Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? I know you're asking. RDI. RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. Hey, St. Your Grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front ever, and no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully our education as well. If you enjoy this podcast, it's a free podcast, give it a like, man. Share it across the internet. Share it with people you think would enjoy it. Maybe rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, all that. It really does help. And uh, as much as I love doing this, I'm not doing it to hear the sound of my recorded voice, you know? So help a brother out if you like it. If you want to have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com, send me a message. Or if you're interested in attending the local meetings or you're curious about it, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. As always, these links will be in the show notes. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess, or you can go to YouTube if and when I ever get around to fucking editing these videos and getting them up. Now that I have a year of work to do on it, you go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. All right. Legal disclaimer. It's the world we live in, folks. Stop voting these fucking pussies in, all right? In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that you grow the fuck up. And before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals and you be an adult, don't sue me. Thank you. All right, show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors show quote of the week where I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And this one is really resonating with me this week. Do what you can with what you have where you are. Theodore Roosevelt, who was a racist asshole, but that doesn't mean that he's not right here. Do what you can with what you have where you are, which means stop making excuses. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest this week, Eric Tomei. Thanks for coming out, Eric. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. All right. He is married with two kids, loves business, loves mentoring entrepreneurs, loves working out, and loves real estate. He's educated. He has a master's degree from Oakland University in physical therapy. He's been a physical therapist for 15 years while running a full-time business and making babies. It's impressive. (laughs) Um, He also didn't put this in here, but he did write a book. I did. That I will ask you about, too. Um, He reads one self-improvement book per week. Um, He was in Helping Hands Real Estate Investing and Education for eight and a half years until 2015. And that venture was primarily working with and flipping houses, right? Correct. Um, personal real estate investor out of his self-directed IRA. If you don't right. know what that is. It's kind of like Social Security, but it's actually your money. Um, and depending on how you set it up, it's tax-free or tax-deferred. Correct. Depending on how you set it up. And you can choose, obviously, through a list of legal <clears throat> do's and do-nots, um, how to invest it and where and how to direct it. That's right. According to all the rules. Yep. Um, and he has two deals going on right now. One in an apartment building and one is a wholesale deal. He's part owner of Blue Sky Management LLC, which takes over the operations of assisted living facilities, turns them around, and makes them cash flow positive. 
It's kind of like one of them business flipping shows, right? Only <laughs> you come in with the assistant yeah, living. I wish, right? <laughs> Do you go around like Gordon Ramsay yelling at everybody? You this know, is shit. Honestly, it's all shit. Honestly, now that we're on that topic, Jeremy, you really do have to do that when you go into some of these senior assisted living facilities because depending on who's the owner, and sometimes owners are doctors, sometimes owners are other business people, they're not there on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes they don't even know what's going on with the facility and what That's scary. the business and the numbers are. So you really do have to educate them from a total perspective of not only operations, but financial as well. So yeah, that's what we do at uh, Blue Sky Healthcare Management. We just are basically a turnaround company for underperforming senior assisted living facilities. I like that, underperforming as yep. when you suck and you don't know what you're doing. He's currently working with some people I really like, Return on Investments LLC. I call him Mike Squared. That's Mike Simmons That's and right. Mike Calper. Mike to the Mike to the second. Yeah, Mike, Mike Squared. because <laughs> I call him Mike Squared because together they're somehow more than the two parts separate. <laughs> that, so Well, they're they're both a dynamic team and they're both great great people to work with yeah and I, I i i don't know mike simmons that well but i like mike calper <laughs> a lot and if you haven't already go he's been on two podcasts already and yeah. if you do phone sales at all he's you should go listen yes. and he's giving me some great tips on yes. getting shit done check out eric too go to eric tomei e-r-i-c-t-o-m-e-i at gmail.com and that will be in the show notes folks and if maybe you have one of those <clears throat> underperforming you suck Uh, assisted living operations you can go to blueskyhealthcare.net awesome All right, thanks for coming out thanks for having me how does you seem like a pretty put together guy (laughs) it's all front Jeremy it's It's, all front it's all front Real estate just seems filled with people who aren't, who weren't at some point put together. So you stand out as an anomaly. I think. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. But you know, the reason I first got into real estate was very, very kind of almost by accident. I had bought a condo 10 years ago in Rochester to live in. I had bought another condo and like all real estate investors thinking, Oh, I'm going to buy this and real estate's going to go up and everybody's going to be great and forever, right? Forever, forever. And blue skies and rainbows and sunny peaches and everybody pays their rent. And right. Of course, <laughs> of course, you know, the, you know, the story. Government so, never changes the rules. Absolutely not. So this was in 2005. Well, as you know, especially here in Metro Detroit, the real estate market took a shit in 2007 or eight. And let me just tell you, my condo that I thought was blue skies and rainbows <laughs> was probably half of its value of what I paid for it. Yeah, so, not so much, right? Yeah, not so much at Knock all. Knock a zero off. <laughs> Knock a zero off is exactly what happened to me. So, you know, I really became passionate about real estate after that because I'm like, there's a lot of people making money in real estate. I thought to myself, why not me? Um, I was also spurred on to it more of a personal note, too. My dad was always a, a very good business owner. He ran an engineering company until his death um, 10 years ago. And that really was a turning point for me, too, was, look, I was 20, I was 30 at the time that he died. And I was like, life is short. It really is. Like, you know, take advantage of the opportunity you have. You're only given today, and that's it. And I know that, that sounds cliche and hokey to people, but it's the truth. I say it's only a it 
It may be a cliche, but it's also true. Right. Yeah. So I, I it's okay if it's true. I was not necessarily currently satisfied with where I was going. I was, I've been a physical therapist since 2001. Um, I enjoy working with patients. You learn a lot about selling and you learn a lot about the psychology of people when you're, when you work in healthcare, but I always wanted more. It wasn't like I wanted to necessarily even open up my own clinic. That wasn't a goal of mine. But I just wanted to do something on the side so I could supplement my income. And real estate seemed like the perfect avenue at the time. Yeah, those sad stories. I remember 2007, 2008 really well. <laughs> I had money in June 2007, and I had no money in, in July ju- 2000. It was just like flipping a switch. It was, it, it was really that quick. And for people who didn't experience it and didn't go through it, we learned a lot of good oh, yeah. and valuable lessons together because we were all in the same boat, more or less, with some of our properties. So was. It was Pointed out, it brought to a point very quickly how bad my ideas were about what I was going to do and how <laughs> I was going to do it. Just an adjustment, a little tweak here, tweak yeah. there, you know. I'll give you an example. It helps if you have more than one exit strategy. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. If you ever find yourself, what do I do if this happens and you don't have an answer, don't do it. Right. It's exactly, exactly the case. Or if your gut tells you, do not do this, and something in you can't stop that, don't ignore it. It's a cry for help that you shouldn't do help. something. Yeah. I felt that too. It's funny you said that. I felt that like I started to panic because things started to slow down <clears throat> right. the first week of June. And then I can't remember. I think it was the first or second week of June. I was such an idiot. Bernanke went on TV. You know, it's fine. We're, we're seeing a small one or 2% decrease. We expect that for another quarter. And then we expected to go back up. And literally three weeks later, it all felt to shit. I wouldn't put more houses under contract and started more deals. Right. I was so confident. Why, right. Why would right. Bernanke lie to me? I know. I was naivete of the No, you know what? It's you live and you learn, honestly. I mean, you you run into people in life that you trust. You think you can trust. Sometimes that, that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. It's just life. It's just another lesson. You you go on your journey You know, of, of achieving your ultimate success, whatever that is for, for you. So you're going to college. Did you start college wanting to be a physical therapist? No, it's a great question. And no, I did not. I actually was starting college, believe it or not, to be a pharmacist. And when I got to, well, it used to be Arbor Drugs. Now it's called CVS because they got bought out. I worked there counting pills and I thought I was going to kill myself. Counting pills. Awful. It was called a pharmacy technician which basically means working the cash register and counting pills. And I thought I was going to kill myself. I'm like, I can't do this. So then I switched my major to chemistry. I switched my major to biology. I think I picked every science because I was good at science. And I finally said, you know, I'm going to go volunteer at this physical therapy clinic. I've always been a big sports nut. I've always liked being around people. And so that's how I got started down the physical therapy path. And, and three years later, I finally got into physical therapy school. That's interesting that you would, I, it takes a certain kind of person to do that. Cause you have to convince people who probably didn't do much and let's be nice about it. <clears throat> Could have been more proactive about ending up there. And I say this, I'm not judging. I've fucking been there folks. I, that is a been great there. way to say it. <laughs> You get in a habit of not making good decisions and then it lands you someplace where you hurt yourself or sure. some of it is car wrecks to sports. Injuries. Well, of course, right. unforeseen circumstances. You cannot predict a slip and fall, a car yes. wreck. A, a it's a combination. Work. Of things, right. right. Absolutely. And you have to convince them to do things that are difficult and painful to do and boring, quite frankly, a lot of times. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, you're right on all three counts. I mean, you are as a physical therapist or as any kind of healthcare professional, you're really selling yourself that you have the knowledge base to take this person from point A to point Z. Because next to money, your health is probably the most important thing you have. Because if you don't have your health, you're not making any money. Yeah. Well, I like that next to money because if you don't have money, you're probably not getting too much health either. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Everybody right. gets all butthurt about that, but it's true. It's true. It takes resources to get good health care. It does. And yeah. sometimes you need good health care. How do you... Because I've been in those physical therapy places. I've had back surgery. I had to go through limited physical therapy. My attitude towards it wasn't good. It would be different now. Sure, sure. I had a bad attitude about that shit before. Right. I noticed that most of the people who came didn't want to be there, didn't want to do it, but had to either. Most of the time, I think to get an insurance check or something like they had to comply. But it's something they absolutely need to do to get better. How do you <clears throat> convince people? Because this is sales, right? You got you got to convince Absolutely. them to do. They're paying you to convince them. That you can't yell at them. I said, do, do, do. You know, that right. doesn't work. They go, so they go to your competitor. Uh, yeah, that's right. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Jeremy. You're absolutely right. You're selling yourself every minute that you're in that clinic. Because, you know, and you really have to understand the psychology of people. Luckily, my degree was in psychology, you know, in undergrad. Not that that would have dissuaded my decision, but it was helpful in certain cases, especially when you're dealing with challenging people who just don't want to do anything. I used to get personally offended, <laughs> honestly, and earlier in my career, honestly, when um, you know a patient didn't get better or even a real estate deal didn't go through. But you know what? You have to realize that not everything's going to work out in life, yeah. and most things don't, and you just really have to celebrate the victories that do. But now, you know, 15 years into my career... I'm like, hey, if you don't want to do it, there's the door. I see enough people per day, where, and I don't own the clinic, where I'm like, I don't care. You don't want to be here? Don't be here. I'm like, I can only help you. I can't make you do anything. I like that. So you have enough business now. You're like, you know, hey, I'd love to help you, but if you're not going to do it, right. you're wasting your money. You should just stay home and keep your money. Yeah, and I'll actually broadcast it in front of witnesses in front of the clinic so nobody can accuse me of saying like, oh, you told me this like in hush, hush. For no, I'll be like, I'll call people out all the time. Anybody who works with me or has worked with me knows that there's a certain way that I can talk to people and maybe other people can not get away with it, but for whatever reason, I can. And it's nothing more than just being straight out blunt and honest with them. You don't want to do it? Don't do it. Thank you. Blunt and honest. Um, there seems to be <clears throat> the, I don't, I'm not going to just blame the young people, this butthurt thing we got going around where we can't point out facts like people are fat they're unhealthy they're not doing the things they do and if you ever bring this up they call it shaming like for whatever reason holding anybody accountable to anything anymore has become anathema to I, I don't know it just seems strange to me right you're really doing them a favor by saying look you're here for a reason <clears throat> you need to get better you're not doing it I want to help people. I don't just want your money. Exactly. Do you want to do this or not? Is that kind of the conversation you have? That's or? exactly it. I tell them when I see them the first day, it's real simple. I'm like, your goals are my goals. I'm just here to help you reach them. It's real simple. I like that. Your you, goals are my goals. You got to tell me what hurts and what doesn't so I can adjust. Physical therapy, like business, is all about adjusting on the fly. Wait, Eric, you, you can't read minds? <laughs> What do you mean I have to tell you and talk to you? <laughs> Just read my mind. You know, I've tried a fortune teller class. It didn't work, Jeremy. Didn't so. <laughs> Have you tried it again? <laughs> I haven't, but I'm, 
you know, if you don't want to tell me, then, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. it. But again, don't expect me, don't expect to reach your maximum outcome if, if you're not telling me what's going on. Because like I said, your goals are my goals. And, and I think my patients appreciate that and understand that. Now, I'm not saying that at sometimes I can't be a smart ass. I'm not saying sometimes I'm not a little sarcastic, especially since we just had, um, Poonchki Day on Tuesday, which Absolutely. is a Metro Detroit yeah. tradition, everybody. It's basically a fried donut with a bunch of crap in it that nobody should be eating and is like 1,200 calories. But now that I'm done with that soapbox. They are delicious, too. They are. I, I'm not denying the fact that they are not delicious. But it's actually an amazing amount of fat and sugar <laughs> in a small package. Right. That, you uh, got it. Yeah. I didn't have any this year. Thank you I had much. zero this year, too. But yeah. I can't say the same for some of my patients. And that was a conversation you know, you need to have with some people like, look, hey, I can't, you know, I'm not holding a gun to your head. I mean, it's your life, man. But maybe 12 was too many. <laughs> but maybe, you know, half a dozen, don't eat the whole box in one sitting. That kind of thing is maybe a little excessive. How do you, how do you convince people to share their personal information with you or convince them to communicate in a way so you can do your job it's a that is a great question because most people i will tell you 75 percent of people they are very uncomfortable sometimes about being there depending on what their injury is or depending upon you know they just don't like to exercise right so i'll have very relaxed questions like how many kids do you have i'll ease them into it you know i mean you know tell me about your spouse valentine's day is coming up what are you doing on valentine's day what are you doing on the weekend you know, the weather is always a really good thing to talk about because people will always <laughs> bitch about it, no matter if it's June or December. But I can't stand talking about the weather. I use it as a last resort because I feel like people who have nothing else to talk about bitch about the weather. So that's like your Hail Mary. Okay. Oh, yeah. I can't get this person yes. to, to communicate to me effectively. I've tried everything else. Let's talk about weather. I, exactly. Exactly. It usually doesn't come down to that, but it's just really showing and asking personal questions to them to show them that you care as a person. So disarm them with uh, questions about their life and just yeah. ease them like, okay, we're going to be talking about you for a little while here. Yeah, right. I and mean, then, really, when a patient... By the way, does it hurt when I do this? Are you feeling it? Oh, okay. Exactly. What are you doing for your Valentine's Day? Um, yeah. You should try and go a little low, like that kind of thing. Right. I mean, it's all about them when they walk in. It's never about me when any patient walks in. I mean, it's all about them. And as long as you make it and focus it all about them, and they also have to know that you're in their corner, like you're an advocate for them flat out. And I, and I will, you know, I'll tell them I'll rely on past experiences and I'll just tell them like, look, I'm here for you. And really, you know, everything else is pretty easy after that. I'm not saying that there's not challenges or hurdles or, you know, sometimes I'll have four or five people there at once. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's just the nature of the game, but. Have you noticed a difference between the sexes in the approach to um, physical therapy? Uh, it, I'm just purely curious. I, yes, I think about it, a lot of weird shit sometimes. Right. So, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a great question, actually. I, I think that that's a good question. Um, typically, typically, um, but not always, females are a little bit more responsive to making more changes in their lifestyle and are more open to that conversation versus males. Yeah. That would be my guess. Versus males. Now, is that always the case? Is that no. a hard and fast rule? Absolutely not. No, we're talking about, for the record, 
gross generalizations are just that. Exactly. Gross generalizations. Exactly. And it's not a cross section of my patients, the population in general or anything like that. It's just basically, um, women are a little bit more open to the conversation. So, yeah, that's interesting. How do you, how do you convince people to do things they need to do? That's always a difficult thing to do, right? It is. And I don't think it's base. I don't think it's so much convincing. It's more educating. Like here are the facts. I'm going to educate you on the facts. I'm going to tell you why I think like how I do. And I'm going to let you make the decision yourself. If you choose to do it, cool. If you don't, that's on you. I would say taking the time to educate somebody is a form of sales and convincing, right? You're trying to persuade, or I say persuasion, maybe persuasion would be a better word for right. I I would convincing, trying to persuade them towards a certain behavior with education. Correct. Correct. And and the behavior that I'm trying to get them to do is always um, a healthful behavior. It's never detrimental, obviously, to their well-being. Yeah. Or, and, and, or like just like any business interaction that I've ever been into. Like, obviously, you know, the cliche is always win-win. Well, sometimes that's easier said than done. Oh, yeah. As you know, as yeah. everybody in business knows. But the bottom line is you just try to do right by the people that you're doing business with. And that's if you live by that rule, I don't, you're never going to have any problems. You mentioned the psychology. What kind of psychology do you? I mean, do you size them up? Do you have a particular way of? I'm I'm just curious about this because you in your job, which I think probably is one of the reasons why you you've been more stable than most of the people in real estate too. Is <laughs> I think that's a nice way of saying it, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I guess I have the experience of dealing with challenging individuals hourly. So to me, no individual is too challenging for me. I mean, there's going to be certain individuals you're going to convince of stuff or persuade of stuff. And there's certain ones that you're not, you just focus on the ones that you do. Yeah. You're not going to get everybody. Nobody's perfect. Mm. So well, I just happened to know, I remember calling you foaming at the mouth late one night and you handled it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to recall that about three or four years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a little while, which is why I asked that question. Like, I could see how that could benefit you in business too. Right? You know, honestly, it, it depends on who you're in business with too. If you're the, if you have one person that, you know, tends to have a more intense, volatile personality, you better not be the other person in the room that has the same personality. That's true. You better have yeah. a calm, peaceful kind of core that can be rational when the proverbial shit hits the fan. How do you read one self-improvement book a week? It's very, very difficult now. That is my goal. It's always been my goal. A real estate business, a job. I am telling you, it is very, very hard. And if my wife would ever listen to this, she would probably call me on bullshit because I am reading these books, but I'm also drooling on them probably halfway through yeah, them. Like so fall asleep on of, it every night. <laughs> yes. So let me just <laughs> have that disclaimer to all of your listeners here that that is certainly my goal. I have been able to achieve that goal before, but it was not while I've had children. My children are five and three. So for all of you who have children out there, you know that that's a, that's a pretty busy age. Well, I'm so. going to stop this podcast now that you're not perfect. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint everybody, yeah, but I am not. That, well, we could just, well, we're 23 minutes in. We could just <laughs> right. go. Fuck it. We're done. That is, let's talk self-improvement books. You read, if you read or attempt to read, that's your goal is to read one self-improvement book a week. Why? I mean, 
Honestly, I always think no matter how much you've achieved in life or how much success you've achieved in life, I always think you can be better. That's the one problem I think that business people and entrepreneurs have. They get fat and sassy on their success in their bank accounts. And I think as long as you're continuing to be hungry and you're continuing to strive and reach toward goals and self-improvement books are a resource that can maybe get you there. All you have to do is get one or two points in the book and apply it. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to apply it and take action. That's the bottom line. If you're not taking action on these books, you're just reading them. It's interesting you said that because over the last year and a half, two years, I've discovered some things about myself. For instance, the more comfortable I am, the worse I do. Yes. Why? I have no clue why that is. I'm similar. So the, the, the more stress I put myself under, the more difficult my workout, the earlier I wake up, the harder I work. The better I do, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. It seems odd, though. I I understand. Be- I understand exactly where you're coming from, Jeremy, because that's exactly how I am. Every day I wake up between five and five thirty. I try to sleep in. I just can't. Dude, I don't. I, can, I wake up at four thirty, but I could still sleep in. I do not need an alarm. <laughs> I'm one of those really random, weird people that just I'm when I'm ready and when I'm up at five or five thirty, I'm up. That's amazing. And then you just do stuff. It's working out. It's, you know, usually most of the time I'm getting ready to go to the clinic, but that actually will be coming to an end fairly shortly. So, okay. Is that, you're going to do something else or? Yes, actually I had my last day at my current clinic is March 8th and I am going to do something else. I'm focusing full time on my businesses and, um, wholesaling. Interesting. Did you grow? So you just grow your income out of your job or are you just feel like you're done or a combination of both or, or how'd you come to the decision? It's a, it's a good question. It's definitely more the latter. Uh, but you know, honestly, it's, it's, let me take that back. It's a combination of both as a physical therapist and as any healthcare worker will tell you, you're limited on salary. Yeah. Unless you own, yeah, there is a limit unless you are the owner of a clinic or of a practice or of a building or hospital, you're topped out. And frankly, I'm 40 years old and I don't want any limits anymore. Mm. I don't feel like I should have to accept that anymore in my life. You know, it's funny. That is a recurring theme that comes up for people who go into a career and achievement driven people, right? Right. Goal driven people. Not everybody, obviously. A lot of people are happy with what they're doing. Sure. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not for me right now. Right. I've noticed uh, I had Renee on, Renee Delia, and the same thing with her. She's basically a fucking genius, by the way, if you don't know. You talked to her for 15 minutes. Actually, to tell you the truth, I've never met her. I've met Joe, obviously, her husband, and and, um, Dynamite real, Real Estate Agent here in the Metro Detroit area, but I've never really met her. She said the same thing. She loved what she was doing. She loved everything about it she loved how challenging it was yeah but she grew right. tired of how how limited her income was and absolutely if she did better she didn't get paid more right and no the disconnect finally became so much that she right went I, did something else i could see two patients a day jeremy in a 10-hour day or i could see 32 patients in a day and i'm gonna get paid the same that is amazing to me it's, Who there's set no that difference. Model up? I know there's no difference, and there's really not more and more corporations these days. And I'm not saying everybody, and this is a complete opinion generalization on my part. More and more of them cater to bad employees for fear of getting sued. Less and less of them cater to the good employees. And when you don't cater to the good employees and incentivize them, they're never ever Man, ever going to. You're dropping some truth bombs, Eric. So I mean, it's just this is it's what just I'm worried about with police. 
this is what I'm worried about with police. And uh, as the libtards go full retard on, don't get me wrong. I'm not exactly, I'm a fuck the police kind of guy. I'm a fuck authority. Right. But if you subscribe to state theory and you want them to enforce the law, and then every time they enforce your shitty law, you fire them or drag them through the mud and you don't end up with good police. And that's having my father-in-law is an ex Detroit cop. He used to work in the drug and narcotics division. And, you know, I, en- I enjoy listening to his stories because they're very real life stories with people who are in dangerous situations. But if you give firemen, policemen, whoever it is, the authority to do their job, you got to let them do their job. Well, just like people give me the authority the to do laws. my job. Right. Yeah, they don't write the laws. Right. They're just there to enforce them. They're there yeah. to protect and serve the public. Now, are there cases where people cross lines? Of course. I mean, that's unfortunately, you know, the, the world we live in. Fine. But the good majority of police officers, firemen, are outstanding individuals whose heart and mind are always in the right place. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I think it's probably true. What I do know is true, though, is what you said. If you don't cater to the good ones, you're going to lose them. And I worry about that. Yeah, a lot. I do, too. Every time every time there's a shooting and the cops white and the person who shot is black, the first thing they go to is you racist piece of shit. They drag them through the mud and then you get hackers who try and figure out where they live and they post the address. You do that enough times. It's like throwing buckets of cold water on people. And not to get too serious, but this happens in corporations, sure. high achievers. Absolutely, it you, does. It happens all the cater time. cater to the shitty people right. who, who don't get – and then you wonder why your organization's dying. Right. And, it, you know, it's it's real easy. That's why it's so interesting to me um, when you do run a business and you're in a position of leadership because I have so many good examples of what not to do yeah. that it's real easy to do what's right and what the right thing is to do because all you have to do is just do the opposite. <laughs> it's real simple. I, I am not a complex person whatsoever. I'm that very person is an idiot. Black and white. I'm going to do the exact opposite. Yeah, right. Whatever they're doing. And it should probably work to a, to a greater degree. <laughs> so from your personal experience, how have you seen the shift and which direction? Have, I mean, was it slow? How did it start? What did, what did it look like? Cause I'm, I'm really curious about this in terms of um, oh, your job and how they started to cater more towards the, yeah, I mean, let, well, what's the nice way of saying it? Underperforming right, employees. Right. So basically what they'll tell you in, in healthcare and, and, and I'll just relate it to the physical therapy. And this is not all companies. Let me just say this. Yeah, this is Eric Tomei's yeah, personal experience. This is my personal experience. I've had very good companies that I've worked for. I've had so-so companies that I've worked for. Um, basically, when you're a producer, they know and can sense you're a producer. And basically, what you get is a good job and a pat on the back. That's so crazy. I would pay you more money. Well, the thing is, it's okay when you're first starting because you don't have the quote-unquote experience, right? But experience is sometimes overrated. Just because you replicate and duplicate the same thing over and over and over again over a number of years doesn't mean you're experienced. It means that you know how to do the same thing over and over and over again. That's a good point. That's an excellent (laughs) point. So You can know how to do something and not... And know how to do it very well and still manage to have not really learned much. That's exactly it. Yeah. So especially in healthcare, it's always about educating yourself. So really, I think that that's where I first got it, tying it back into the self-improvement. I always had to educate myself on the latest and greatest techniques to benefit my patients. It changes all the time, right? 
changes all the time. People are coming out with some new research, something new. So consequently, I, you know, had a, you know, the light bulb goes off in my head, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. Well, why not do the same for yourself? It doesn't always have to be related to healthcare. Yeah. So, and, and that's what I started to do. And honestly, you know, just like everybody, you run into some challenging times and you run into some great times. You just have to know that the great times aren't going to last and neither are the challenging ones. Good point. So your so, Rubicon was this condo. Yes, this actually. Is, this is like, okay, you're... Which I'm, I still have, by the way. I'm so... <laughs> like a fine American. Wait, you're supposed to walk away from that and fuck everybody else. No, and that's another thing that absolutely pisses me off yeah. now that you brought that up. I get why people walk away, I, that they feel like they don't have any other option, but you know what? The problem, I think with people today is that they don't think that they need to be held accountable for anything. Yes. I would agree with that. And I, I don't, and I would put myself in that category at well, some me point too. in time. Right. right. I, was I mean, there. like, look, we're all held accountable for choices and actions that we make. That's great. You know, but walking away from a house is just something I just, it's just hard for me to accept. Yeah. Well, you're on the wrong side of this cultural divide, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I usually am. This is everybody else's <laughs> fault and it has nothing to do with you. And you're perfectly justified in doing this because X, whatever that is. Absolutely. My not. feelings were hurt once 10 years ago. Right. You know, so fuck you. Right. And you know what? Honestly, it's it's the only person that you have to look at is the person staring back at you in the mirror. Yeah. Like, look, I mean, it's it's your call. It's your life. You know, who's the driver here? You know, that's another thing I can't stand is when people make excuses. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes life is shitty. Yeah. Let's be honest. But it you is. rebound. And it if is. you hang in there yeah. long enough, you're probably going to have some really great things happen. Yeah, Lots of things don't go well. Right. And a lot of it is beyond your control. Absolutely. Circumstantial or otherwise. Yeah, deal right. with it. Right. Deal with it yeah. and move on. Move forward. Life's not fair. I hate that shit. Everything needs to be fair and it wasn't so fun. No. no. The number one thing I try to teach my kids, even at the young age, is the number one golden rule is life isn't fair. And the sooner you get used to it, the sooner you're going to be okay with everything. Hashtag real talk there. <laughs> They're going to throw you in some parent prison for you can't teach your kids about reality. I, I, yeah, I'm sure that I'll. Yeah, I, honestly, it's just when people use the word fair, I think it's one of the most overblown and overused words in the English language. Nothing has to be fair because let me tell you, you were entitled to absolutely Zippo when you came into this world. Thank you. Nothing. But, but Eric, I'm a special desert flower. Yeah, well, I don't care what kind of flower you are. <laughs> just make sure that you just make sure you bloom in 50 different directions if that's what you're calling as. I don't care. But just. You are not entitled to anything yeah. just because of your status, your title, your money, whatever. I love that. Man, we're jiving on this. <laughs> I, I hate that. But I'm I'm a unique snowflake. I'm oh, like, please. Come on. I, right. I mean, look, I, everybody has unique abilities, talents, creative. Why is unique even a that. good thing? I want to be reliable. You know what? But that that to the unique snowflake, reliable would be unique. Yeah, they, I think they just twist everything to there. <laughs> but that is, I'll just talk myself in a circle and I'm right back where I started. Yeah, I feel I, better about myself. The problem that I have, Jeremy, is I think that my filter in my brain was destroyed in a fire long, long time ago. So now Good. when I talk, people are like, some people have accused me of being mean. Some people have accused me of being unfeeling. I don't think I'm either one of those. I think I'm just honest, and I really You're a nice have a good heart, and I'm, my mean. heart's in the right place. Right. Yeah, we called you mean. So. <laughs> Fuck them. They're mean, probably. 
<laughs> I don't like your truth. Yeah, right. And hey, whatever everybody's truth is, I'm all about it. Yeah. Because to me, there's a difference between truth and fact. Truth is your perception of what of what reality is. Fact is actually what reality is. Two different things in my book. So that's interesting. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to go back to these because uh, I'm because I'm, you said it kind of started too. So you were into the self improvement. You wanted to be the best physical therapist you can. Sure. Science, technology, information changes all the time. You get this condo. The Rubicon, the Eric Tomei Rubicon. <laughs> yes. The market takes a shit. That's exactly gotta, what happened. I got to figure out what to do with this right. condo that's going to choke the shit out of me. And take, you know, this is a problem. And yet, two, Correct. one you were living in, and one you were were you trying to rent it out. I or? was. I was. I used it solely for an investment purpose. So my whole goal with the second one that I bought was to definitely rent it out. Okay. Yep. And then the market starts going down, and right. then you get the idea that. Maybe I need to take some of this self-improvement from my physical therapy and apply it to my real estate life. Absolutely. And that's really where the walls start to come down, right? Absolutely. And, you know, let me just even say this. Just because I bought an investment condo, I didn't even have a real estate life at that point. Yeah, that was the beginning. That was the beginning, certainly. But it wasn't until 2007 or 2006. Oh, gosh. I No, 2007. Yeah, that we're getting old. I, okay. I know. I'm trying. I'm forgetting the years. I'm like, we're in 16. I'm like, okay, so 2007. <laughs> it happens. Uh, I went to, and it was probably right around this time of the year. It was either last week of January, first week of February. I decided to go to like a weekend boot camp real estate seminar. I wanted to see what it was like. I wanted to understand exactly what how hard is this? Is this really hard? Can everybody do it? I remember there was like maybe 50 people in the camp over the weekend. And out of that camp, I ended up sitting, who I did not know at the time, next to my business partner for the next eight and a half years. Damn. So small world. Sometimes. It was not planned at all. I just thought to myself, I'm like, all right, this guy is cool. He seems like he talks straight. You know what I mean? It was just a good feeling like of of trust, I guess, between a total stranger because I did not know him at that time before I went. And that's where it all started, actually. What was the um, – do you mind sharing the boot camp? No, not at all. Uh, um, I went to um, Mark Islaw's boot uh, – gosh, I think it was called Real Estate Mastermind Boot Camp or something like that. I can't even remember the title of it now. And it was in early 2007. And um, through that weekend, I thought to myself, you know, why not? Why can't you do this? Yeah, it's a lot of hard work, but why can't you do it? At the time I was single, I had no kids. I mean, what was stopping me? The time is now. What year was that? That was 2000 and gosh, I want to say it was either six or seven. It was probably 2007. Okay. Seven. You weren't yeah. married in 2007? No. I didn't know that. No, I got married in 2009. I was actually like older when I got married that's, compared to some of my friends. That's probably a good thing, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, honestly, I was like, and I was one of those people where, you know, everyone was like, so, you know, when are you going to get married? When like, are oh, jeez. And I'm like, <laughs> has it ever occurred to you that just because I'm single, I'm happy? Yeah. Is no, that a novel thought to anybody? You're just miserable until you find that. Right. Out. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm totally cool. And I might just be waiting for the other person I would like, too. Right, exactly. No, no, just marry the next one you see. And it's funny you say that, Jeremy, because I knew exactly what I didn't want. Oh, that's so true. And that was very, very important to me. So I figured in my head, like, if you could get 75 to 80% of the qualities that you wanted in another person, I was like, I thought that that would be, that would be great. That's like only a C plus or a B minus. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thankfully, I got 100% of the qualities I wanted in my wife, which was nice. She's so. definitely going to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's a smart move. <laughs> no, and it's truthful. I'm not just saying that. Just, it's all true, too, Just baby. for bullshit yeah. you know, purposes. But Eric loves you so much. <laughs> he would never say a bad thing about you. I won't even let him. <laughs> it's funny you said that, too, about, about your wife, because I didn't know... I just know what I didn't want. Yes. I, I didn't want some mean bitch who lied to see drama. Oh, my God. Drama. And when I met Gina, she was literally the nicest person still to this day that yes. I've ever right. met. Right. I don't know if that's a good way to get married, but I was like, nice one. I'll take this one. Yeah. I, I understand <laughs> what you're you were drawn to her warmth, yeah, her niceness, and absolutely. I get that. I mean, my my wife is similar. My wife, the great thing about her is that she never, ever gets rattled. I've seen her, you know, raise her voice a couple times, but she never gets rattled. And I wanted someone, and this was, again, affected by my dad's death in a way, and I'll explain that. I needed a woman who could take care of herself if yes. I was not around, that was extremely important to me because I wanted whoever I married to have the confidence to know that they could go on without me. Yeah, well, especially if you're going to have children and right. all that, right? Exactly. And thank God, my wife is extremely self sufficient. She's had she's been a financial advisor for the last 17 years. That's her job, and she, I mean, she would be absolutely fine. I always joke with my wife, and I know this isn't funny or not funny, but I always joke with her that I'd be worth more dead to her than alive. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you like our time, little running man. joke. You I mean, but it's, you know, I mean, it's it's true. But in a way that actually, as a business owner, it actually makes me feel good that I've planned it that way and that she's able to do that. I mean, it's almost like a relief. Yeah, it's, it's actually called smart. I know so many people you know, aren't smart that the smart stuff just looks weird. But right. No, the smart stuff that's is called smart. Right. I, I just want to make sure that, you know, she's good and, and she would be absolutely fine if, God forbid, something happened to me tomorrow. That's good relationship advice, too. So send all your relationship advice to Ed. He'll <laughs> answer your questions about what you're yeah. He's not going to do any of that. Don't do that. <laughs> so you're sitting here at the Ishla boot camp, sitting next to your future partner that you don't know. Right. What happened then? I mean, I started a conversation um, with him and, and he actually explained to me that he had gone to it a year before and he was just, you know, coming to see if he could pick up any more tips. And um, it actually started so funny that you we tie these conversations in, Jeremy. Um, he actually asked me a physical therapy question. I actually helped him with exercises. And I can't remember if it was for his back or his knee. I, c I couldn't, can't remember right now. But so that's how the conversation started to go. I then became um, his private investor for a couple of deals that he did. And then, you know, a couple years later down the road, we're like, well, why can't we scale this or at least try to scale this? And then we formed a business which was helping hands real estate investing in education and we flipped houses yeah so you were you started as the money yeah okay. absolutely i started as the investor and you got paid things. and you're like hmm we should do this more we should right. figure out a way to do more and i'd like to be more involved that's exactly it and the thing that was great about it was that i was i was able to invest out of my self-directed ira which is great but I never pers that money never personally went into any of my bank accounts where I could go and spend it on whatever. Yeah. So let's was, talk about self yeah. self directed. How did you choose self directed? I need to turn my damn phone off. <laughs> I forgot.
forgot to do you're that. Popular, We're doing man. this on you're a popular, sa- man. <laughs> We're doing this on a Saturday, and I don't normally do it on a Saturday. So uh, my A game is just not there. So. <laughs> it's all right. It's look. I'll take you. You get my B minus game <laughs> <That's right>. today. <laughs> it was a long week. I hear you. <laughs> so, how? What is a self directed IRA, and why do you? Why did you choose that for your retirement? Because it's a retirement. Yeah, it's an absolute retirement vehicle that you can use. So a self-directed IRA is basically an IRA just like you would have an IRA in like a Fidelity brokerage account or a normal IRA. So normal IRAs, you can invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you know, that kind of thing. Wall Street investments. Right, Wall Street investments, but you're limited. A self-directed IRA, you can invest in all of those things, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, Wall Street investments, but you can also invest in houses, apartment buildings. Single family residential houses, commercial buildings. There's a lot more options that you can do with a self directed IRA to build your wealth. And I, that was very, very appealing to me because I had very limited funds 10 years ago when I first started. So, I mean, I had lost money in the stock market. I pretended like I was going to be this like next guru options trader and I did that. And then, of course, I lost money and I'm like, okay. Let's come. Let's have a come to Jesus talk with yourself. It's not going to happen. <laughs> You're not going to be on Wall Street. You're not going to be on Fast Money. You're not. What are we doing? Right. Yeah. What are we doing here? And you know what's the plan? And and through um, just educating myself on self directed IRAs, that's how I decided that that was a a good way to go for me. And your partner of eight and a half years, you started as. It- he was flip. You guys were flipping, right? We were flipping yeah. money to buy yeah. rehab, right? So yeah. You filled that spot. I filled that spot. So I, I filled a void that he needed. He needed the money and I had the money and that was, that was the start of it. So it is kind of like the stock market, but without most of the criminals it's uh, and you make your own decisions in between, right? You make your own decisions. You're in Here's control, right? You're the driver of the car. You don't necessarily have to rely on anybody else to determine how great your investment is going to do. Now, certainly you have to do your due diligence on any investment, no matter if it's a house, an apartment building, a mutual fund, a stock, you have to do your due diligence on it. But once that process is completed, then, you know, it's your call. Do you remember your first um, private money deal? Yes. Because I imagine. I do. That's probably not a, a, maybe it was for you. I don't know what was it like when you first did it? Do you remember the emotions, how you overcame it? I got to tell you, Jeremy, I, I was like, you know, I, I felt like, you know, oh, you are so cool now because now you're truly, you can call yourself a real estate <laughs> investor, right? Yeah. I mean, the crap that was going on in my head. I mean, like, and I didn't even really believe it, you know, it's but part I'm of just being a male private. I, I was think. just like, you know, like thinking back on it, like I really actually didn't believe it then. It was more of an attitude after a while of, you know, I'm just really fortunate that I have the opportunity and this is working and the markets were great at that time to invest in foreclosures, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, yeah. et cetera. So we're gonna tell stories about that forever. It was yeah, so amazing. It was so amazing. And um, honestly, initially, I, I, you know, I thought this is great. But then again, you're never satisfied. That's the problem. You're never satisfied because you're always like, well, let's do better next time. Or let's see if we can multiply it or leverage it next you time. You say that's a problem. I say that's a solution. I, I know. Yeah. Satis- yeah I mean, if, it is. If you're, you're, you're satisfied. Right. Yeah. You can't be driven, I don't think. And the thing is, that's the problem. The, the challenge with me is I'm really never, ever satisfied because there's always something else to do. There's always something other goal to achieve. There's always some other money to be made. 
Yeah, well, it's not perfect, right? No, it's not perfect. <laughs> you no. could let it just dominate your entire life no. if you didn't have. Right. I have that same problem of. And I, I'll admit it. Yeah, I mean, living in the moment is right. a difficult thing to do it's for very, driven people. It's very difficult for me, and I really have to make a conscious effort to do yeah. it. Especially since I have small children, I want to make sure that I enjoy every minute that I have with them. And remember it, and not think about thirty-five other things that you could be in the be future. Doing besides raising these children, you had. Well, you know, it's it's really funny because, <laughs> you know, raising children is the toughest job you'll ever do, no matter who you are. Um, and my wife and I are, I guess, the anomaly in the sense we don't use daycare, nanny, everything. We just juggle it between us. Whoa. whoa. Well, I thought we were supposed to pay other people to raise our children. Well, you know, and, and paying other people to have that's i there's plenty of great daycares out there and whatever choice works for every family is awesome but for us um you know my and it stemmed from my wife's experience is that she was always shuffled between a babysitter yeah and she didn't like it and i'm like okay i can understand that as a kid you're not liking that let's try to do it different for our kids and she was of course i'm on board with that this is and it's challenging it's hard I'm not going to say that I haven't take business calls when my, you know, kids on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Needing Sorry. attention. I yeah. mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not like, you know, the, the father of the year by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, you try to be there for everybody as, as much as you humanly and possibly can. Yeah. Cell phones are definitely an intrusion into life that requires a lot of without, diligence. You yes. Know? Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I got to say, I, I just finally turned the damn thing off at a certain point and just ignore it the rest of the night. Otherwise, I do too. I just finger fuck it and don't even pay attention I, to my wife and my life and everything. It's like, no, what am I doing? I this do is too. our time. But yeah. having said that though, I'm there are the times, things. there are wow. times where I have done deals at midnight, 1230 in the morning. You know, you have to do them when you have to do them. So yeah, well, the kids in bed, the wife's asleep. Right. So the I guess the good or bad thing is my wife loves to sleep in in the morning and is a night owl. So she's usually up as long as I'm up. I just sleep less. Yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> Got to get my time in there some yeah, way, right. shape, or form. Right. right? Absolutely. So you're, you're, you have a partner. You're investing money. You're getting more active. How did the model grow? How are you guys doing it? Because it was kind of like a flip by fix flip and kind of an educational component to it as well. That was kind of a partnership component, right? Too. Like yeah. Kind of like grooming it, multiple, right. Multiple purposes. So honestly, like our vision for it, we had to start very, very small. I mean, we had to flip one house or we had, I'm sorry, buy a house, fix it and then flip it. And then we could roll the money into the next house. So it was a very slow model to start. Like a snowball going down like, a hill, right? right. You, it, you start it. You, you know, do, right. You got to roll it. And, you know, yeah. yeah. And sometimes we wanted to, we thought to scale or to leverage it, we were going to have to obviously form relationships with people specifically to fund our deals. And that was my part, predominantly my part of the business was networking, raising money. Um, I mean, we had at one point we had over a million dollars worth of deals that we organically developed through relationships. It wasn't that I contacted hedge funds. I didn't, you know, 
didn't have wealthy doctors in my pocket, nothing. I mean, these were ordinary, everyday folks that wanted an alternative to some Wall Street investments as part of their portfolio. It was a good time for that, too. It was a great time. They just shit all over everybody's retirement. Absolutely. And they knew they had to do something or they were screwed. Right. People were hungry for the chance to participate in this but not be an active part in it. And some people wanted to have more of an active part, but we were like, look, this is our model. Um, You can go look at the house whenever you want. Here's the lockbox code. (laughs) You know, it's your money. You know, we cannot stop you. But in terms of, you know, you taking a hammer and fixing stuff. No, no, that's not what we're about. No. So in that sense, we we tried to, you know, we did our best, obviously, to scale it. And we were pretty successful for a very long time. At the peak, how many buy, fix and flips did you had going at a time? Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember um, we had probably about, oh, my gosh five or six at a time. And we did 22 in a year. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It is. It's a lot of juggling. It's a lot of logistic things that are, you know, trying to, to line up, but you know, it it depends on, you know, how bad do you want it? Did you guys um, streamline your, your fixes and your rehabs? Like we do this cabinet with this or, or I mean, how Great question. Yeah. Um, Because how do you do 22? They can't all be unique snowflakes, right? You got to systematize some shit. And that that is exactly what we did. We had two color schemes. And and thank God my partner was great at picking out things that buyers would like. One was more of a neutral, earth-tony scheme. And one was kind of a more gray and white color scheme, just in case people had a problem with like beige, natural, earth tony stuff. We wanted to obviously offer an alternative, but we never, ever had a complaint that I can remember about what the inside of the houses looked like. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, but it's, it's that specific that you have to systematize or try to systematize everything. Yeah. It, the more people I sit down and talk to, it seems like the more they can replicate the past, the better they, they do. Definitely. Definitely. Checklists, systems, rinse and repeat. I think a lot of people get the idea in their head that they're doing something different every time. Right. Well, most of the time, if you're doing it right, I, I don't know. It get, I hate to say it, it does get a little boring or dull sometimes. You just, cause you are doing the same thing. <laughs> you are over and over again. You are to a certain extent. No, you're absolutely right. And you know what, to be honest with you, um, you know, as we came out of 2007 through like 2011, 12, you know, the deals were a little harder to come by. Yeah. The margins were not as great too. So it did become, I don't want to say frustrating. I mean, there's, there's highs and lows to every business. It wasn't frustrating. It was just like trying to find the right deal because you have a, financial and fiduciary responsibility to your investors at all times to ensure that you're getting the maximum dollar for what they put their money into. And that's a huge, huge responsibility for people to take on. People sometimes take it lightly like, oh yeah, you know, I got 200,000 here or 300,000. I mean, that is a huge responsibility and it needs to be taken seriously always. Excellent point too. Um, I might add, it, it's interesting that the more, I don't know, you see patterns, the more people you sit down um, and you talk to, you see, like, I don't know if it's like the cream rising to the top or, or whatever analogy is, you wait for the right deal. As frustrating as it is. Oh, and it is frustrating. You're right. To do the same thing without getting the results you want, right? Yes. You 
do comb through the MLS, you send out your postcards, you right. return all your lead phone calls, respond to all your emails, pick up the phone, cold call, right. and you're just not getting it. I feel a lot of people are tempted. Well, I'll just do this to keep everybody busy or something like that. Right, right. And I haven't met a single person where that's worked out. It's not, it, <laughs> it it's never not, does. I mean, it never, ne- you're so right. It never does. I mean, we had, I can't tell you how many agents I had to call and, and thankfully we had good relationships with, you know, you only need like two or three, you know, to refer you deals, which is, which is good. But I'll tell you what, it was a lot of work at the start. It was a lot of work. And for people who think that they can just randomly identify a house, buy it, fix it, flip it or rent it or whatever, it's, it's, a, there's a lot more that goes into it. How'd you guys figure out your, um, farm area for, I guess, for lack of a better, no. You know, Jeremy, to be honest with you, I don't know if we ever figured it out. Yeah. Just tried to find <laughs> because, a deal somewhere. Yeah, because yeah. we actually did all of Metro Detroit. Uh, and we even did, you know, more into Livingston County, too. Uh, I was going to say, I thought it was Genesee, but I know you. And Genesee, too. Yeah. Yeah. I know yes. you went far sometimes yeah. to, to get some shit done. I mean, we, yeah, we had to go where the deals were or where the potential deals were. And so I to say that we targeted an area. That's probably looking back on it, maybe a smarter strategy, but we were just trying to find deals wherever we could. Yeah. Fish where the fish are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I did, you know, I got stuck in that thinking where I only fish in this pond and I only catch what's here. Right. If I can't catch it here, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But it's not a bad strategy because you're focusing on one thing and that's what all the gurus or whatever tell you now. Focus on one thing. Don't focus on like 10 different things. The problem is what if the one thing doesn't work? Yeah. Is it the wrong one thing? It was. So, you know, (laughs) I mean, and that's not good or bad, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just whatever. So yeah, it absolutely was. I, I, I was guilty of that. Now I love the burps, by the way. <laughs> that extra zero. I never thought I'd hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, Detroit is um, <clears throat> eight years later, a little lackluster for me. It's kind of like watching your favorite person just do the same dumb shit over and over again. It, sure. It is wearing me out a little bit. Sure. It feels like Detroit sometimes like, okay, I got a hand up. How am I going to fuck all this up now? <laughs> Good. I got a plan tomorrow to undo all this good I did. We could be right back where we were before, wallowing in the mud. You know, you just have to look at it as that you're expanding your horizons into the burbs. I am. <laughs> and the extra zero. Uh, it always helps, doesn't it? I, I like that. It is nice. Yeah. Uh, it I is get nice. over a lot of shit, you know? Yep, that, exactly. That extra zero. Exactly. And to your point, fishing in more ponds does seem to work, too. It does. And I'm not saying that you should fish in every pond, either. No. I mean, but if you have a target area, you know, 10, 20 miles outside, let's just use the city of Detroit, because that's what we were talking about. I, I think that's perfectly appropriate. There's plenty of deals you know, within 10 to 20 miles of the city. Yeah. And if you can't find them, consider maybe testing some other waters too. Obviously it all has to still meet the same criteria. Absolutely. But, but I, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Um, what was the transition like for you from a more passive investment side to, cause you're kind of working your way up. Now you're going to be completely active, right? Completely active. It's been yeah. a transition. It um, has. I have been tough. I mean, I've been talking like my goal was always to have any business that I started be so self-sustaining that I could, if I wanted to, have the opportunity to walk away from my job. And again, not a good thing, not a bad thing. It was just a personal goal that I had set for myself. So safety net, so to speak. uh, Yeah, a safety net. And 
you know, most people would think that I'm nuts. You know, you have a mortgage, you have two young kids, you know, what are you doing? I've, but again, it's what I feel like I need to do. And I would rather bet on myself than bet on anybody else dictating to me how my life is going to go. But it took 10 years to get here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sure it did. And it took successful businesses, not successful businesses, thinking, what do you really want to do? Where is it going to go? You know, it was a a lot. But, yeah, I mean, it's an ever-changing and ever-evolving process. And, I mean, it's not you know, good, bad, it's not for everybody. I mean, it's a road that sometimes you have sleepless nights on. But Hell yeah, I was going to say, mean, we're talking about all the good shit. Let's yes, talk about some bad shit. It is not, not fun sometimes. I just want everyone, all of your listeners to understand this. I mean, if you go down this road, it's a great road. But it is, you will challenge yourself in ways you never thought you would challenge yourself. Yeah, there's no bailout, right? There's no bailout plan. Yeah. Now, having said that, Let me just say, my wife does work, so I'm not like mortgaging the farm here, and my kids are not going to eat ramen noodle casserole. We're not going to be like hoboing it. So I don't want people to have a false impression. You know, I don't want people to have a false impression. No offense to the hobos who are listening. All the hobo listeners. Yes, right. Sorry, I apologize (laughs) to the hobo listeners. But I just want people to understand that, yes, I mean, do I have a safety net or security blanket? My wife does work. Yes, she does. So let's talk about something that went wrong, terribly wrong. Let's talk about those sleepless nights because that's never in the infomercial, right? It's all profit, paying taxes. Oh, yeah. Beaches, right? bitches. Totally. Drinks. So not like the that. The car. And it's not like so that at all. Oh, not like that. I Just for all of you who, who know. That never happens. I drive a 10-year-old Camry. Yeah. I'm like, I don't drive a fancy car. My wife doesn't drive a fancy car. I mean, so to your point, Jeremy, um, one thing that kind of stands out to me that I remember, and again, this probably happened about five or six years ago, so I, I might not be getting all the details exactly right, but we were ready to close in a house the next day. I mean, the closing was the next day. Everything was great. We had all the, you know, checks ready to go. (laughs) Title company calls and says, we can't close. We discovered an unpaid tax bill. Hmm. Don't ask me how the title company didn't find it or we didn't, we weren't alerted to it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, and this was probably about, gosh, five or six years ago now. A lo- it was a long time ago, and or it feels like a long time ago, and we had to come up with a solution. You know, I mean, what do we do? Well, we decided the investor is going to get not only his principal back, but the the what he was promised. And basically, what we did was out of our share of the profit, we cut our share of the profit to pay the tax bill, so the closing could go on. So yeah. I was supposed to walk away individually. With probably about four to five grand. I walked away with a check for $348. All that work for $348. Yes. Yeah. So not everything goes good, but here's the thing. I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I could have potentially screwed an investor who trusted us. I was not going to do that. And it didn't matter if I didn't make $348. It didn't matter if I had to pay something out of my own pocket. I just couldn't do it that and it was not that investor's fault 
wasn't our fault either, necessarily. Yeah, it's not usually. Yeah. But hey, you know what? Life sucks sometimes. Life isn't fair, like we were talking about before, and you just move on. You sometimes find it a rains solution on to the, the most important day and that's you get right. wet and too fucking bad. That's right. Yeah. And and that's okay. That's life. That's what happens in business sometimes. How did you get involved in this healthcare assisted living kind of investment? Because that's something that, and one part of me is like, man, it seems like good money. And the other part is you just hear so many bad things about people not being cared for, bad companies. I mean, this exists everywhere, but yes. when it involves especially seniors or people with disabilities. I was always terrified of ending up on the news and this son of a bitch hates everybody. He's stealing from grandma. Right. He pushed right. her over and broke her hip and took her purse. Right. No, I mean, you're, you're right. That's it's just terrifying to me. That's like a legitimate, a legitimate concern that you always obviously want to avoid it because I mean, you know, the elderly are so revered in other countries and, and here I think we need to take note of that and 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 do that as well because i think that elderly people have so much to offer society and community i mean there's a lot of jokes that are made about them you know i mean they don't do things as fast as you or i sometimes well that's because they've lived a lot longer they're old their bodies are a little slower it's just a fact of life but you know what though they're great great people and they deserve to be cared for because the way i look at it is if it was one of my relatives in there or my mother I would want to put her in the best facility so she was cared for the way that we like to care for people. Well, it seems like it would depend on your relative, right? <laughs> I am thankful that I can say that all of my relatives, I would, I would afford go. that opportunity. I don't to. know. I don't know if I could say the same thing, but I would still provide good care. I will say that. But to your point, Jeremy, though, that's the number one thing. You always have to try. Uh, the The number one goal is to provide good care. You don't want families or the resident to suffer in any way, shape or form, especially in 2016, but hurt because their feelings were hurt reading a magazine. If it was somebody's grandma that right. they don't care about that they stuffed in here and haven't seen in five years. And every situation is different. I'm not that, saying this is all. Yeah. These people right. would drag you through the mud over the smallest thing. Right. And uh, that's a great point. And one of the keys in this business, just like in any business, is developing good relationships with the families. If you have good relationships with the families and you have open and transparent communication, I'm not saying things can't go wrong. But when they do go wrong, they're much more understanding of the, of the circumstances. Yeah, preferably written communication too, right? Correct. Recorded. Yeah. Recorded I mean, whether that's, you know, honestly, whether that's a phone call, whether that's an email, whether, I mean, people are different. And people's communication styles are different. And that's also important to know, too. How do they like to be communicated with about their loved one? Well, how'd you get into that turnaround? Be like, go. It's so funny. So I'll tell you that um, I tried with a couple of partners to open up a, it was a residential home and it it fits six people. And um, we were wildly successful at the start of it. We filled that facility, five out of six residents within the first 22 days. That's pretty quick. I mean, it was very, very quick. The problem, which is a um, common problem that people sometimes don't realize with these houses is that you have to keep that house full or at least maybe five out of six to make any kind of money Mm. in that house. 
to the point where you can potentially live off of that salary somewhat. So six is not enough of a number in my mind. Because if you're going to care for six, you can expand it and do 20, 50, too 60, too small. That's an interesting point. So I put a lot of my personal money in it. I lost it. I learned a good lesson. But another important lesson is we did not own that particular house. Another very important lesson for people. Either you own it or you have no expenses and you're the management company, which is what we're doing now. Yeah, We would never turn down an opportunity to listen about owning something. But again... If we're just getting paid a management fee and the owners are paying for all the expenses in the it's no money out of our pocket. Okay. We built we built the business with no money out of our pocket. And you learn that by losing the money, right? So You're you darn could, right. So you it was a uh, so somebody else owned the house. Yep. So what was your first one? Because I'm gonna make sure I yep. understand it correctly. So the so the first project was I want to say it was February January February of 2013. It was a six. It was a house fit six people um we it, it the situation got very very bad it hurt feelings etc it was just not a good situation all the way around um luckily that house is doing okay now which is fine um but from a perspective of just understanding the psychology of people um, it was a very important lesson. Like you better know and understand and have everything spelled out. And when you don't own something, you really don't have the control or the the control you need to do it. Mm. And besides, on top of that, the house was the house. You need to have a full house, which we had that part perfectly, and we were well on our way. But sometimes, you know, people are challenging, and so you had a partner that wanted all the money or didn't want to cooperate no or? so it wasn't um i don't want to get you sued but no 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 no, no. yeah i know right so the landlord of the house so it was me and the management company we were partners okay okay so and but the landlord of the house um just had some fundamental challenges that he could not get over and it was a it was a more of a, a psychology lesson in jumping into a business relationship too soon before knowing how everybody is. Now, that person, the landlord, is not a bad person whatsoever. Um, he is a very good business person, but this particular situation just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And and we were all man enough and okay enough to just walk away from it, and you lose your money, you lose your money. I mean, yeah, that's, that sucks, that's, that's, that's with investments. And I got to tell you, it was a hard pill to swallow. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say, oh, God, let's do that again. Yeah. But... I think now we're all a little wiser with this next venture we have. So, which is, which much, is really good. If you don't mind sharing, how much money did you lose? I if lost don't, a total. Oh it. my gosh, no, I don't mind. I don't yeah. mind. Um, I lost a total of probably thirty-five thousand. Fuck, that yeah. hurts. Yeah, enough to it walk does. funny for a month. Yeah, it does. But you know what? It's, that it's, was probably how so, many? Is that a year? Pro- a, a significant <sighs> amount of saving profit. Yeah, I mean it was yeah. it was not it was not fun at post all. post tax money, right? Yeah. It yeah. wasn't fun at all, but you know what? It's a good lesson because there are certain principles that you just won't bend on. And and if I had to learn that lesson the hard way, that's fine because I always look at it as okay, you lose that amount of money now, but doesn't mean you're not gonna make that amount of money later. Yeah. 
So I always look at your bank account as a reflection of your past efforts, not your future efforts. That's true. That's how I try to always think of it. Yeah, it sucks. I, to your point of getting into bed with a partner too quick, I've yeah. done that several times, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's you always have the, the greatest of intentions, and you always want it to work in your head, and you always think the best. But sometimes, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out, and that's okay. You just can't work with them? Yeah, right. The worst was is borrowing money from the wrong kind of person. You know the kind of And I'm going to put it to a point here. Just because somebody wants to give you money doesn't mean you should take it. That's true. The kind of person who, and I ended up with a couple of these. This is how I ended up with not taking money from these kind of people. The kind of person who sees one bad news story. Right. And then calls you every day about, I got to get my money out. Dude, that's not how this works. Right. We got a period of time and I got the news, blah, and it can literally just make your life miserable yeah and it, and that is just a horrible like situation because you're like when is this gonna end yeah is this ever gonna end Counting like down the days yeah right like okay can we when can we end this you know i understand that and that is <laughs> it's a tough situation to be in yeah just don't take the money what well, i had a few of them though who did it they're like dude i'm like okay that sorry here you go around go our way and like when can we do it again I'm like we're not <laughs> right right thankfully this didn't work for me and it didn't work for you whether you realize it or not <laughs> exactly thankfully i was very fortunate and blessed with investors who were very understanding and i i'm just i was just very grateful and thankful mm-hmm. for for their participation and their understanding with with certain things so yeah, i had i had so it does seem strange that might say don't take everybody's money. No, I right. Slow it down. I guess the best advice that I can that I can say about that is if it doesn't feel a hundred percent right in your gut, don't do it. Because it's like probably me, not. If you're like me and you might want to apply some time to it. Yes. I apply time to everything now. Just as a absolutely standard operating procedure. I yes. know that I'm faulty in this department. I make snap judgments. I like people more than I probably should. Yep. I think better of them than I probably should. And that has been a problem for me. So now I apply. If you're that kind of person, you may want to consider doing what I do and apply six months to a year and see if you feel the same way about them. Okay. So I was just going to ask you that actually, what, what is your time frame? Is it six, six months, months to a year? year? Okay. Nobody can hide who they are for longer than that. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, that's, uh, that's a good takeaway that I'm going to take from this too, because I think that, that it's becoming less of a problem for me now because of past experiences, but that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, You lose enough money. Sure. You make enough bad decisions. You're like, okay, Yep. Something's wrong. It's exactly me. right. I'm gonna do it differently. Right. This is not sustainable. I'm going to end up working at a donut shop or <laughs> something. If I don't get my shit together here. Right. I get it. Yeah. I mean, you really need to, to make sure that, that that's exactly what you want to do. And this is the person you want to do it with because gosh, I mean, I've been in really bad partnerships and I've been in awesome partnerships. Yeah. And when it's awesome, it can work out great. And I'm not judging too, because I've been the bad partner. <laughs> well, I didn't realize I, I was the bad yeah, partner sure. at the time. Right. But look, you know, it's the hindsight of time too. Well, yeah. You but- look back on it and go, wait, I was the dickhead in that. I was the difficult. I was the problem in this relationship. But you, you can know? say that now, now I and can. be honest yeah. about it. And that's great. Because it's only going to lead you to more and better partnerships in the future. Yeah. Well, I would encourage people too, if you find yourself at the end of 
the bad stick multiple times, you just may want to consider that it's you. Yeah, exactly. If, if, <laughs> if yeah. every time if, your if, life sucks <laughs> and you do something, I don't know how many times you could tell yourself it's somebody else before you go, well, maybe it's not right. someone else. If if usually if you can't identify the problem in the mix, it just might be the who's looking back at you in yeah. the mirror. It's yeah. like, wait a second. <laughs> I have responsibility in this? Yes. yes. Oh, and to your point, too, a lot of times it's not right or wrong with people. It is a just a, a communication problem. I, exactly. Right. Yeah. And And it's not like, you know, I hate you as a person. It's not anything like that at all. It's just... You know, this is not going to work, and that's okay, and we'll move on. Yeah, the older I get, the better I understand what I'm not. Right. And that's pretty important. It, it is, because yeah. it helps you understand who you are. Yeah. A lot and of what I'm you'll tolerate. Do. Like, right. I would not be able to do most of what you do. I just don't get along that well with people. I'm <laughs> difficult to work with. But I know I'm a maniac, too, right? Like, people, I now realize I used to think I was normal. Right. <laughs> And now I know that I am like obsessive. Well, just like we were talking about before we went yeah, on the air. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody has strengths. Now. Everybody has yep. weaknesses and no person is, is, you know, that, that applies to everybody. I won't be showing home buyers homes. No. I won't be walking them through the difficult first closing steps. Just fucking buy it. Right. You know? Right. Right. We've looked at three. Probably not exactly the approach no. we give to the first time home buyer. Right. No. And I'm sure I could get better. <laughs> Right. Why would I play to my weaknesses? Play to your strengths. Yeah. Life's too short. Play to your strengths. That doesn't mean I don't want to improve in that. I have improved in that, but I want to make more money. I want to do more things. I need to play to my strengths to do that. Exactly. Yeah. So what you're not is not necessarily bad either. It's just knowing what you're not. Exactly. And acknowledging that and then moving on. What are you not, Eric? What am I not? I am not. I am not patient sometimes. I am not. You do seem like a high D kind of person. I wish I could say that I'm like chilled and laid back and can like read a book at the beach. But let's be honest, I'd be a big fat liar if I said that. Um, It would probably be like me. Make everybody else miserable around you. Right, 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 (laughs) right. Why are we working? Patience is definitely something I need to work on. Um, I don't tolerate laziness well at all. I don't tolerate excuses well at all. I don't, um, it bothers me a little bit, but I haven't figured out why, why people don't want more out of life or aren't demanding more of themselves. But again, that's, that's a me thing too. That's not on anybody else. That's a me thing. Um, I would like to think that I am empathetic in all situations, but that's probably not a hundred percent true either. Yeah. I'm not at all. Yeah. So I, I really, I look at things. People who know me would know that there is no gray with me. I'm very black and white, or so it would have, you know, how I approach things. It's either this or that. Now, of course, you have to be flexible. That's with anything, whether you're in business, healthcare, whatever. But I can honestly say that those are, those are, those are things that I'm, I need to work on. Well, <laughs> and that I am not. Yeah. So going back to this assisted living where you figured out what not to do, that's where, is that where you got the idea to turn that around? Like, I'm not the only one who has this problem. I lost $35,000 here. I could turn this into business. I can go in and turn these now that I know what to do. Right. Is I, that how it happened or? Um, kind of. I always had interest in the industry. I really thought that the industry, 
um, is not only booming and exploding, but I think that there is a potential money-making opportunity for it if you do it right. The thing is you have to surround yourself with a good team, and you have to have knowledge and experience in the senior care industry. And that's what we have on our team. There's four of us, and um, we each bring a little something to the table, whether that be operational, whether that be marketing, whether that be financial, whether that be networking. Um, there's multiple facets of the business that, that you need to work. So honestly, I, I think that that's how it evolved. It started as just simple conversations at a coffee shop. Like, oh, hey, this would be cool to do. And then it was like, well, why aren't we doing it? <laughs> I'm terrified of it personally. You yeah. know, I mean, do I need somebody to yell at somebody. I can do that. Honestly, though, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's and it has a healthcare component, too. And that's what I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with. Not that I would I would do something completely not in healthcare, But let me just tell you again what I'm not. I am the biggest technological dummy you're ever going to meet. Anybody who knows me would know that I am just not. I, I try my hardest. I really do to, to adapt. I'm not writing code. I don't get computers. I don't get cars. I mean, I, there are things that I just am not going to make money in. But you know what? That's fine because there's plenty of things to make money in. Yeah. That's more what so, you're not, too, right? Right. Oh, yeah. What is this gadget? Why is it not working? Totally. And, you know, my solution is, okay, well, if we drop it on the floor, maybe I can figure it out and it'll work. Or we'll stop buzzing. 80s kids. Don't you remember? <laughs> Wait, where you could fix everything by shooting it, throwing <laughs> right. it. It's perfectly oh, acceptable gosh. to have a temper. Yeah. You could kick things. You know, and it was also like I, I realized what I'm not was I'm not good at fixing things. My dad was very mechanically inclined. I don't know where that gene did not get into my brain, but I'm not. So you had to hire people to fix, you know, fix stuff or fix houses or whatever. So yeah, hire out your weaknesses. Yeah, right. right. I'm yeah. not going to spend time on it. Especially if you suck at it. And quite and frankly, I, if you're being honest, we suck at a lot of things. Right? Well, the, exactly. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, there's only a few things I think that we're s- superstars at. Well, I don't know if I'm superstar at anything, but I'm certainly better at some things more. Absolutely. And other things, I'm just like, Jesus, Jeremy, it's embarrassing. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I've had that conversation many that? times, w- many times with myself. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I, I couldn't get, <laughs> I couldn't get a Ziploc bag open. Like it was one of those things where you had to tear it off. It says tear here. It's something just simple. Why does it never tear? I never tears. And I had slippery hands and I was frustrated and I dropped it and I was just like, I'm done with this. Stomp the shit out of it. That would fix the problem. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Break it. I feel better. Sometimes I feel like, honestly, if I do something physical, right, I, I do. I feel better. And I think that's why I work out all the time because it's like a release for me. Dude, you say that, that is so uh, that's one of the big things I had to make a change. The best way to describe it is I'm like operating at 40,000 RPMs. So any time I come into contact with other humans, that's just too fast. <laughs> you chew people up and spit them out. You just mangle things right and left. But oh, if I apply physical labor, Definitely. working out farming this farming is how i perform Absol- my life absolutely it slows me down enough where i don't mangle everybody around me or it's like i'm i'm barely containable whereas before i'm like right just a disaster a bull in the china shop or whatever you want to i completely understand that, that. Is, is it for you is it aggression because for me it's like just aggression and energy <sighs> and just trying to get down to a level where i'm not thinking eighty thousand things at once in exactly conversation. exactly for me also it's frustration Sometimes too. So my wife will even tell me, you need to go to the gym. 
or you need to go run. Yeah. But get out of the house. Excellent. And I and I actually realized that about myself. And I'll tell her, I'm like, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. right. I'm sorry. I'm going to go run. Yeah, yeah, right. And then I'm usually better. Whatever that does to me. I mean, you know, and they talk about the runner's high. And it's obviously something with your brain chemicals. But I'm telling you, I mean... It works both ways. Gets that negative energy out, and you get that dopamine right. release. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it. That's what works for me. Yeah. Is is physical activity and exercise, and sometimes I'll do it at five in the morning. Sometimes I'll do it at late at night. Doesn't matter. That's one of those things where I I, I really thought about it and went back, and I kind of had to pick patterns out because I had a fitness routine, and then I lost it. Sure, but I thought I was which only- is common. I thought I was only losing a fitness regime. I didn't realize that it was actually like it kept me more, more human, kept me a functioning human being. Right. Exactly. Not, it wasn't just, I was working out. I can't not have it or right. I have other problems that are, that I can't overcome without it. I yell at my wife, short tempered. I know. I mean, like I am to the point where I have to do something physical like that every day because yeah. I'm just better at dealing with people and challenges and I'm more calm. And I mean, I worked out today at five quarter to six yeah. just cause you know, I mean, it's, it's just part of the routine. Like I need to do it for me. Other people, they find, you know, they're released somewhere else, which is great for me. It's working out. Yeah. I think I have noticed that it's with higher D more aggressive personalities, people who go to life. We do need to like, yeah, we need to chill the hell out sometimes. Like I get it. I mean, we look like like a maniac to those other people. Right. And (laughs) people are like, you know, even like when I'm unloading the dishwasher at home, my wife's like, just slow down. I'm like, I am doing it slow, you know, but I'm not probably, but I'm doing it slow to me. You know, it's just something, a simple task like that, unloading the dishwasher. I, I mean, I get it. I move fast. They call me the tornado at work They call you the because tornado. I'm moving like so yeah. quick. I mean, I, I get it. Like, that's how I move. I'm, I'm trying to put a stun gun to myself or yeah, something. This is the slow me. I, this is a slow me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Should have saw me before the two-hour workout. And, <laughs> All what's the real, things. What's really funny is is that you know when you're at a clinic or any kind of healthcare um, facility, you know patients are so generous they constantly bring you in stuff. You know, like donuts, cookies, candy, the whole thing. I never eat any of that because I don't like it. My coworkers are always like, "Man, imagine you on sugar." <laughs> yeah, not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but whatever. I mean, hey, that's uh, everybody's wired differently. This is just how I'm wired. So now you're heading into a new era. How long have you been working for Mike Squared? Return on Investments LLC. That's I, Mike Simmons, Mike Galper. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I've known Mike Simmons for, gosh, the better part of eight years. We've done deals before. Um, we've always been friends. We've always done deals just a dynamite um, guy to work with. I just recently met Mike Cowper, to be perfectly honest with you, December 30th of 2015. That was the first time that I've actually met him. So, um, so in answer to your question, I mean, literally the last like five or six weeks, but um, the model that they're building is very, very good. And I, when you get like we were talking about with business you know, relationships, you got to like the people you're working with because it's almost like a marriage. It, thank you, you you are going to see these people every day. And I'm not saying that you got to hug it out every day either. You got to stand to be around them. But you got to like them. You got to be going in the same direction and in the same place. And, you know, that's um, 
it's very appealing to me. The one bad thing about being a physical therapist or being a healthcare worker is you are married to a schedule. Mm. It yeah, doesn't you can't change. It, I can't right? get out. Yeah, yeah, I can't go see people at their house, nor would I want to. But you cannot change that schedule. And what's even more important than the money or any kind of monetary reward for anything is the freedom and the time that I'll have freed up by not having to necessarily go to somewhere 40 hours a week. Okay. What are you, what are you going to do there? That is a great question. I'm going to be doing outside sales. Excellent. Yes. So they go put it under contract. You broom it out the door, right? I will. They th- basically the the system is that they set it up and I go close the deal and get a signed contract. Oh, so you get it in. I get it in. Okay. Yeah. Like me. Boom. <laughs> That's fun. It's hunting. To tell you the truth. It's hunting. Okay. So it was something that I didn't necessarily have to do in my other, you know, the other business that I had, obviously, but I, I'm looking forward to it's it because fun. it's a challenge to it me. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's something completely different and it's not like I don't have real estate knowledge, obviously. Hey, and- this is a modern day kill, right? You used to go out, you'd follow them around, look at the tracks, look at the poop. That's right. That, that's the poop of the animal I want to kill, chase it down, kill it. You go back to the village. <laughs> now, the it's the acceptable analogy, right? 2016 <laughs> version of that is money and zeros and finding a deal, helping a person out of that deal. Right. And then realizing it in the form of instead of meat or whatever, zeros in your bank account. Right? That's right. I guess the one good thing that I like about the situations that I'm stepping into is it's pretty much I control it. Eat if, what you kill. If I suck at sales, then I suck. Yep. If I'm great at it, then I'm great. Wait, 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 wait. Don't Bernie Sanders has a suck at sales subsidy for you, Eric. If you suck at sales, who just give you more money to make up for it? Then we're all equal and fair. <sighs> well, no personal achievement too low to be subsidized. <laughs> it's a great thing about America is that everybody has an opinion about how things should be divided. <laughs> Especially when it's not their things. Some people have stronger opinions on how yeah. they shouldn't be divided. Your thing should be my things because I feel bad. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that is very, I don't know, not that I'm getting political here because I'm probably the least political person in terms of that realm. But, you know, hey, everybody has a choice to make, you know, and, and that's cool if you choose Bernie and it's cool if you don't. Yeah, choose whatever so, you want. Yeah, right. Yeah, just keep your hands in your own pocket. That's right. what I say. I'll right. keep my hands in my pocket. Keep your hands in your pocket. Right. We're all going right. to be fine. Yep. By the way, Mike Simmons does have a podcast. It's juststartrealestate.com. Yes. It's very different from this. I think you'll like it. Go check it out. Much different from this. Lots of difference. And I, he did one a day for a long. He has a couple hundred. Um, he does, actually. And I was yeah. a, actually a guest on his a couple... I don't know. It was two or three times. I think it was twice, but he has a lot of good, tons of stuff, good interviews with people who are really, really killing it in real estate in different parts of the country, too. All over the world. Not just in Michigan. Yeah, right. Quite frankly. So it is actually a very informative podcast for people who want to just start in real estate. Yeah. So if you're curious about that, we're talking about, I'm like, who are these people who talk? Just go, just start real estate. Yep. Listen, you'll, you'll get an idea what we're talking about. Exactly. So when do you, when's your official start date? Killa. Well, I guess I actually, call you killer now? yeah, right. Call me killer. Call me killer. Whatever. But killa. Um, <laughs> um, my last day at the clinic is Tuesday, March the eighth. So it's coming up. So that afternoon or 
that morning on Wednesday the 9th. Mm. So I'm ready to go. Yeah, like so. do an extra push up. <laughs> Get me, man. You know, Get the thing is. Slap yourself. It's real estate is very, I think, pragmatic in the sense that it's based on numbers. I mean, nobody's going to make up numbers. I mean, it, the numbers are there right there for you. You, I mean, you know that, and, and most real estate investors know that too. So, you know, it's just a matter of persuading the potential buyer to say, hey, this is how I got this number, and this is what the deal is. So, persuasion. Persuasion. Yeah. There we go. I love it. Hey. <laughs> I love eating what you kill. I, it's, it, if you want true freedom, right? Freedom isn't just all the good shit, by the way, folks. No, no, no. Right, right. You get all the bad stuff with it too. Absolutely. You don't take it down. You don't get it. And it means you you don't get it. Sometimes I've gone a couple months without getting something, and that is not a fun thing. No, it's not. And I am certainly prepared for that. Yes. I mean, I do not necessarily. You always have the grandest of visions when you start something new because it is new and shiny. But that wears off. Yeah. And, you know, it's when it's time to get down to business, it's time to get down to business. But and, the liberty to eat what you kill, it uh, means there's no limit. I know. Up yes. or down. Right. You get all of it. And, and it I mean, is exciting. It is exciting. I used to have like so many, not so many limits, but I used to have to work within the construct of limits, you know, even with building, you know, helping hands. And it's just going to be very different for me for a little bit having no limits necessarily. Yeah. I mean, besides juggling, you know, personal schedules, family schedules, that kind of thing. But, but, um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for I, it. Yeah. I thank you. I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. It's, it's a huge risk, but okay. You know, the worst case scenario, cause I think you always have to look at that. You know, you can't have this utopian view on, on, on things. You know, I always have my education to fall back on. Yeah. If I had to, you could always so, go get a job again. Right. You can do you can do something else. Right. Yeah. So not that I plan on it. No. Let me just say that on the record. <laughs> well, you can't. Yeah. I, that was one of the things that annoyed me to no end, especially when I was going through the tough shit, is the question. I know. At what point are you just going to go get a job? I mean, it's difficult to explain to people that this is just a downside of the same thing. Right. And you can't have one without the other. That's exactly it. You're not going to have all great times. Yeah. I, I mean, legitimately, you know, even professional salespeople will tell you this. 80 to 85% of it is failure. Yeah. I, I mean, and again, all the salespeople out there can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm certainly not. I would say it's higher. It's like nine. My numbers maybe, are ninety six percent. I was like, maybe it's even. Maybe it's yeah. even higher than that. So, I mean, you just really have to take it into perspective. It's a you lot know? of no's. It's a lot of no's, yep. and you really got to have a tough, thick skin. And to your point earlier, you have to be able to keep saying no until the right thing comes up. Which sometimes yep. I can say I have tried to force a deal that it's just not a good idea. When right. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. You have to have the patience, as you were pointing out, to wait for the right fit. And that can be challenging, especially if it's been a little while since you got a you got a paycheck, you know? Well, that's exactly it, too. Right. I mean, but again, you have to put it into perspective and you have to think, okay, well, I could be sitting behind a desk. Yeah, it could be worse, right? You know, and I could have a job. Well, <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's okay too, but if it's not what you want, that's going to be your own personal torture. If you're sitting at a desk thinking, oh, what can I be doing outside of here? You know, that I could, you know, it's all about also, you know, because I have children too, you know, 
it gets into a deeper like conversation of I want them to know that there's options out there. I there's no guarantee that my kids are going to go to college or even going to want to go to college or want to start a business or right. Who knows? Or maybe they might want to start a business. I want to make sure that they have all the options. And between my wife and I, they're going to have all of the options. We are both college educated, yet she works independently on her own business. Obviously, as a financial advisor, I, of course, have done both, you know, being in the workforce and then not being in the workforce. So I want to give them options, too, so that they can understand Nothing is really wrong. It's just whatever is the best fit for you. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Right. You know? Right. What I like about eating what you kill is you're completely responsible for yourself. Exactly. There's 100% responsibility yeah. for yourself at all times. No excuses. No questions asked. Yep. No excuses. Yeah, bring it home or you don't. Right. And it, it's really easy. And to me, per our earlier you know, conversation, our comments, I'm very black and white. Yes. So that makes sense to me on a lot of different levels. For me, I don't even want any of it. I don't, I just started being an agent. Sure. It's like sitting down. Okay, so here's how it works. You get a salary of this much, and then you get 10% of that. And I was like, back up. <laughs> you lost me at salary. <laughs> I don't want a salary. <laughs> right. Let's start again. <laughs> That's funny. I don't kill it. I don't eat it. Let's right. start there. Right, right, right. Uh, plus, that's, I think it's attractive to people. I'm like, oh, so it's not going to cost me anything. No, if I don't get it done, man, I don't get it done. Absolutely. Are I you kidding? I don't want you writing me checks and then I don't get it done. No, that's right. not the relationship I want to have with you. I right. Wanna, I'm going to be the one who gets it done and it costs you nothing to get it done. Right. But I get more. Right. That's, well, and that's that. I guess to use the word that I said that is overused, that's fair. <laughs> less risky anyway, right? Or less risky, right. And more profitable for me. Right. And more responsibility, which is what I want in my life. And I've noticed too, and maybe you have, that the more responsibility I take, um, and recently the book that really hit me really hard is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and oh, I, know, I haven't heard of Babin. That. Oh my okay. God. Good. Maybe it's because of my... 80s upbringing, you know, G.I. Sure. Joe, all the racist cartoons, men rule the world, kicked everything. Oh, Mil yeah. Military background, joined sure. the military. He really speaks to that part of me. It's right. just my, my kind of language, but it's right. called extreme ownership. Hmm. Okay. And I've been approaching this for like three or four years, taking more responsibility. His thing is, it's all your fault. If everything's your fault, you never have an excuse and you're forced to work on it. Now, we know that's not really true. And he even says... It's not true, sure, but it's a point of reference when it comes to problem solving. Right. That the only way you ever can attempt to solve a problem is to take responsibility for it. That's exactly yeah. right. Take 100% responsibility for it. I mean, there's a lot of things in life you'd like to pass the buck or blame other people. That's what the good majority of the masses in my mind do. But why would you want to be like the good majority of the masses? Yeah. For me, it does not work. It's, it doesn't, it's a poison. Doesn't, Jealous, push it away. Yeah. It doesn't work for me either. If it works for you, that's fine. Yeah, I'm right. I'm glad it does. For me, though, it is like poison. Even a little bit of it, it it's just not good. Right. And I, I didn't make good decisions when I did it, too. Right. So I just can't. Your decision-making could be potentially clouded. Yes. Right. Me personally, talking about me personally. That, right. That didn't work for me. I had to come to a different way of thinking or it just wasn't going to work. I was right. I was going to go get a job and be that person. Right. 
the and, bad person who had a job, not the good person who had a job. There's plenty of good people. Who oh, had jobs absolutely. I hear important shit done every day. That right. was not going to be me. I was going to be the miserable fuck who hated everything and be like, why is he even here? Right. That was going to be me if I didn't change. You know, I think that there is a certain mindset and self-awareness that people have of themselves when they're a business person or an entrepreneur. And I think either you have it or you don't. And I think you can develop it over time because certainly people don't just randomly get out of bed and say, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur today. For me, it's completely developed. Yeah, I so, didn't have any of it. Right. So I think it's just a, a gradual process of what you want your life to look like and how you want to construct your life. And I think for me, you know, a lot of family and friends that I have, I don't know if they they don't understand it because they support it to a sense, but I don't know if they fully understand it, that it's just, it's completely a mindset thing. Yeah, it is. And we do look batshit crazy to them. So, oh yeah. Yeah. We I can, now get that. We I look insane. We look like maniacs. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, well I get it now. I didn't get it before. That's the right. I didn't right. have you five years ago. My self-awareness was as close to zero. <laughs> I think it's humanly possible. I mean, it might have been one or two, but I mean, it, that could have been error just in the measurement device. <laughs> right, too. right. Standard yeah. deviation either yeah, way, right? Well, right. It just wasn't enough to tell one way or another. So it can be developed. It's, it's sure. expensive to develop that way. It is. It I is. I recommend maybe before you start, some of the best advice I can give somebody is if you're the piece of shit at work that nobody can trust and nobody likes working with and you can't save money and you can't listen to feedback and right. before you do anything... You need to turn that around. Right. And exactly. Be exactly. Open, be open to feedback. Right. Whether you like your coworkers or not, get along, work with them. Be yeah. the person they like. Even if they hate your guts, be like, okay, at least he came in the day because when he comes in, he does everything he's supposed to. Right. Exactly. He helps that. If, or she, I should say. Absolutely. I didn't invent this fucking language. Don't get all over me. You know, <laughs> Harvard people with your Z, whatever. He or she or it or however you identify. That's true. It's so start, true. Start there. If you're anything like me, start there. Do that. And then go risk your own money and other people's money. Right. Exactly. That would be the smart way to do it. If you're not if you're not good with yourself and you're not... Yes. I mean, and everybody's, again, constantly learning, constantly improving, or at least I think they should be. If you're not good with the core of yourself, that's where you need to start. Yeah. Absolutely. I, would, I like to throw that in, though, because I did that stupid shit. And it was stupid shit. And it can be avoided. Sure. The, the Jesse's avoided it. The Josh has avoided it. It's, it's avoidable. Absolutely. It's not a far con conclusion. You can avoid it. You can think about it. You can overcome it. And you don't have to pay the price to right. do it, too. I will say, though, that in terms of Jesse, I think that he is extremely mature at a very young age. That's true. And I also think that he had a great plan and executed it almost flawlessly. Not that uh, yeah. there, not that there wasn't obviously challenges for him, yeah. but I mean, just an outside observer looking in, he made it look easy, didn't he? Um, I'm, and there were probably a lot of times where it wasn't I'm sure easy. it wasn't. I mean, let's be honest, made it look easy. Right. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, you really have to respect that, um, and respect the road that he's traveled down. I mean, it's not for everybody. No. It's a good point though, too. Pick somebody who maybe you can set as an example. To. Right. You don't have to be that person. No. You just have to maybe just take take what you can yeah. from them. A good and example. Learn. Is, right. Yeah. That's how. It's hard to come by. Yeah. 
And then I have modeled myself after bad examples too, and that does not work out very well. Well, and again, you don't know it's it's the like we were talking about hindsight. You don't know it's a bad example until you're down the road and you're like, oh, okay, I see the flaws. Yeah, you know, well, and you and you you know you you change course and then you're good. A little bit. <laughs> We're not as smart as you, Eric. Well, I, I mean, look, hey, I've certainly paid for it monetarily, and yeah. you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not some wizard of, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the Zen Buddhist or anything like that either, spouting life philosophy. But just from my experience, I, I, I never want to make the same mistake twice. Because then again, that's on you. Yeah, it is embarrassing. And shame on too. you. It is embarrassing. Right. Yeah. If you make so, the mistake too, stop. Right. That took me a while to figure out too. Stop was, the bleeding. Yeah. Right. I'll just keep making this mistake till I figure it out. That is a bad way to approach nope. it. Yeah. Exactly. It does not work. It doesn't work at all. Yeah, you're not going to mistake your way out of the problem. No. No, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> it's odd how it ends up making sense though at a certain point in your brain. I was like, I'll just, if I keep doing this, I'll figure it out as I go. And like, sometimes you have to stop and be like, wait, hold on. I have to fix this before I move forward, no matter what. So sometimes, you know, and it, it's important to get someone you trust as an outside perspective to look on it. Because sometimes, I mean, my wife will tell me, like, I'm just ready to be like, okay, I'm done with this. She's like, well, what about this? It's important to get that different perspective of someone who has nothing to do with the situation because they could come up with the solution that you're looking for. Yeah. And that's happened to me on more than one occasion. I'm like, yeah, why was I such a dumbass before? Like, why didn't I just... Why didn't I just ask for help? I mean, why would you do that? Yeah, right. I mean, and I'm usually good at asking for help, but uh, you know, apparently I can be better. So absolutely. We, we could all be better. Right. So March 8th is the beginning. March 8th. That's right. I'm excited for you. So thank you. You wrote a book. I did write a book. I wrote a book again with this year thing, eight years ago. <laughs> um, my dad died. In 2006, he died suddenly of a heart attack. Um, he was not overweight. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. Um, Genetic? No. Nobody in my family ever had heart disease. Um, nobody was even pacemaker, catheter, nothing on his side of the family. Trans fat? What, what? Nothing. Stress? Um, what happened was, um, I mean, he was a business owner, and at times I would not say that he ate as well as he probably could. Um, there certainly probably was stress on his job, although he never showed it outwardly. So maybe he internalized it. Um, old fashioned American man. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, you know, his upbringing was tough too. He came over from to this country and he was seven. So, I mean, he, ah, I didn't know that immigrant. Yes. Dude, I love immigrants. Yes. Um, my family, he came over from Italy when he was seven years old and, you know, he really had to, his childhood was much different than mine. Um, he had to be an adult at a very young age, just because, you know, my grandparents had a little bit of a language barrier um, to understand things. So he really, really had to grow up quick. And when I was seven, I was a seven-year-old. Yeah. I played sports. You got to be a kid. I got to go outside and have fun. Didn't have to get a job. Yeah. So Translate for your parents. Right. So it was very hard for him to sometimes relate to me as a kid. And as I grew up as an adult, we were very different people, the way we thought, the way we approach, uh, you know, challenges. Sometimes that can work. Sometimes that can't. But when he passed away, 
I think when a major event like that happens in your life, especially the death of somebody close, you can take one of two paths. You can, you know, take the path to the left, which is, you know, you can blame other people. You can blame yourself. You can, you know, I call it the positive and the negative. You can take the negative road. It's not going to get you anywhere. Trust me. Or you can take the positive road. Okay, well, what can I do? How can I help people? You know, I had a Facebook page that still has 70,000 people on it just talking about their dad and how they miss their dad or their loved one. And the book that I wrote was I Miss My Dad. And for me, it was closure for myself, not only for me, but to help other people too. I mean, monetarily, I did not make, <laughs> this was not a bestseller. Wait, you didn't get rich on a book? <laughs> no. And let me tell you, everybody who's writing a book out there, it's a wonderful experience. Just don't expect to make a million dollars out of it. I've tried several times and, and jettisoned it. It's a and, difficult thing yes, to do. And too. I did not, the reason I wrote the book was not to make any money off of it whatsoever, just to recover my costs because I just wanted the message out there that there just wasn't a lot of father-son loss books out there. It's always mother-daughter or father-daughter or, you know, like more focusing on the female side. So I was a male who wrote about my dad, which is kind of a hard thing to do because, you know, you really can't get too... And again, I'm generalizing, but you know, you don't want to get too emotional because that could turn some people off. But I just wrote it very conversationally, like how I talk, because I didn't know anywhere else to any way else to write it. So it was a great experience. But I will tell you that it's something that motivates me every day because my dad was a business owner and I see how that provides for my mom. And. It's like, yeah, he went through a lot of crap. Definitely. He used to do work late into the night on the kitchen table. I remember when we were growing up. Yeah. But honestly, it was the right path. I mean, it was a long road, but it was the right path. I mean, there's not even a question in my mind. Where did he come from in Italy? He was in a village right outside of Rome. And actually, unfortunately, and again, don't quote me on the years and the date, but I think five or six years ago, they had a horrible earthquake. In Italy, Madonna like donated like a half a million dollars to the relief effort. His village was the one who got rocked by the earthquake. So they're probably about 30 minutes outside of Rome. Um, Do you remember the name of the town? Or The name of the town was called L'Aquila, and the village was okay. San Angelo. Yeah, okay. Yep. I lived in Italy, by the way. I lived in. Oh, Ga did you? I lived in Gaeta, Italy, and I lived in Rome. Oh, no kidding. So I used to travel that... Um, that road, I can't remember the road. I remember the time I would take the bus and take the train. I went to a boarding school my sophomore year of high school, American Overseas School of Rome. So I traveled no that kidding. back and forth. And Gaeta was on the same coast as that. Wow. About halfway between Rome and Naples. So I lived in Gaeta, and Gaeta was next to Formia and Etrian. Oh, wow. And, and no all kidding. That. So. Yeah, I was curious too because yeah, right. Yeah, I lived I lived there as a kid, which was an amazing experience, by the way. I you know it's so funny. My dad left when, like I said, he was um, either seven or yeah, he was seven years old. He never went back, and I found out after he died from a relative that he never wanted to go back, allegedly because he just kind of always wanted to remember the way it was as a kid. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Something I didn't even know about my own father. Well, you know what to say. You can't go home, right? <sighs> yeah. I mean, and I get why he didn't want to go back from that perspective. That makes complete sense to me because you do remember things as a kid and you have that burned in your memory, you know, and, you know, it kind of takes you through adulthood. So what year did he uh, immigrate to America? 1955. 
Yeah, post World War II Italy too was pretty tough. Yeah, it was. Yeah, my grandpa fought for the Italian army and something that made the Great Depression before, look yeah. easy. It was sure. very tough for a lot of a lot of people. Don't realize they didn't read their history books. That post World War II, America basically dumped grain for ten years into Europe to try and keep people from starving, and still lots of people starved. Jeez. It was a terrible, terrible Awful. time. Um, and lots of parts of Italy at this time were just destroyed, no crops. Right. All, so uh, I imagine I can understand. was a tough, tough dude. Oh, he was. Yeah. He was. And, you know, take that now into the 80s and 90s, him as a parent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have always said <laughs> that no matter what I went through in life, and I've told this to a number of people, living with him was the toughest thing that I've ever had to go through. Who cares if you lose money? Money you can always make back. Who cares if, you know, relationships sometimes get broken? New relationships happen. Living with him was the toughest thing I will ever probably have to do. How old was he when he died? He was 57. He was a month so shy of young. his 58th birthday. Yeah. And um, terrifying, too. It was, you know, you always remember that. Like when those seminal moments happen in your, you know, um, life, you always remember like where you were and what day it was and and i remember it like it was yesterday it, it was actually just 10 years two weeks ago that he passed away and um you think my gosh it's 10 years already like five years you're like okay it's been five years but now you're in double digits and it's a lot you know it's but i i kind of knew tying it back into um when i was dating my wife my wife and i's third date we went to like a bahama breeze restaurant i can't even remember where it was and i don't know the topic of birthdays came out and so, you know, she said, well, when's your birthday? I'm like, oh, you know, my birthday's in the summer and I hate the deathly heat. And my wife's birthday is February 22nd. She hates, she hates obviously the cold. My dad's birthday is February 22nd. Wow. So I thought to myself, I'm like, third date. Strange coincidence. We're getting along. I'm like, this is, yeah. So I was like, I kind of knew at that point that, huh? Yeah, this is it. So. The scary thing to <laughs> the fact that I, at least I'm not, I don't want to die slowly, but the fact that I could just be gone and that right. my wife would be on her own and I know. I kids would be on their own. Right. And you're just done. I know. That's I know. It. And I no went prep time. No, I got a month to get the paperwork and uh, right. it's just gone. I went through that a lot. My dad always said that the people who died the quickest and most painless deaths were the lucky ones. And thankfully, that's exactly what happened to him. But I remember um, four months before he died, we took a whitewater rafting trip to the Grand Canyon. And it was like you stayed in Vegas, you went whitewater rafting, then you stayed in Vegas, and then you flew home. And I remember I, I we were at a dude ranch in Utah, and I had to go to the bathroom. And I came from behind, and I was watching him. And he was almost not right at the edge of a cliff, but like close to the edge of the cliff. And he was just like looking around. And I I don't know. I didn't want to disturb him because I thought he was like appreciating the nature and all that stuff. But I, I always think back to that like moment, like not that did he know? Cause I don't, he, there was nothing that he knew about, obviously, especially when you die suddenly, you don't know. But I always think, Hmm, you know, it was just one of those moments that like kind of caught me like surreal, like what's going on here. And, you know, I, I kind of frequently go back to that moment a lot, because I looked at him and he just looked so like peaceful. Like that was all he wanted to do, hmm. you know? So the permanent nap. Yeah. I mean, he's, 
he he's always an influence in my life. He was always my greatest motivator and still is because part of the reason is he didn't really think I could do a whole lot of well. So I internalized that and took it that I'll show you. So, you know, some people respond well to extrinsic motivation. Some people respond well to intrinsic motivation, depending on who you are. But I always took what he, you know, what he doubted me and turned, try to turn it into something positive. Mm. Sounds kind of like a little bit of a tough relationship. It, it was not easy. It, it certainly was not easy. I appreciate it. I, I certainly do appreciate um, all that he didn't gave me because it really was overcoming like a lot of challenges. But to say that the relationship was easy is yeah, no. not true. Yeah, Difficult people are difficult to live with because they're difficult, but there are positives and it's not all one way it or is, the other. It, it certainly was not all negative. I think that I would not be the person that I am if it wasn't for him. For sure, right? Without a doubt. So to that, I'm completely indebted to him for forever until I see him again. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he turned me into, you know, the, the man that I am today. Well, they say, you know, what iron sharpens iron. Right? <laughs> I know. And I've been accused by my family of being a lot like him. I don't see say it. it ain't so. I don't see it. And I think it's probably because I'm in denial, which we've talked about that, too. Maybe maybe I am like him. I don't know. I but hope a better version, right? Oh, gosh, I know. Because maybe you. Yeah, you always think like, oh, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to do that. You know, and you just have to catch yourself sometimes, you know, like people point out to me and I'm just like, and sometimes you don't want to hear it. Sometimes you're just like, you know, but honestly, he, he, a lot of good things, you know, I, I always try to just focus on the good and what he taught me going forward. And hopefully I can impart that into my kids too. Also, that also means you're next in terms of when your parents die. I know if things go the way they're supposed to, I know with any luck anyway, you are next. So that's why like, I'm like a huge like health nut. Now I'm not saying that I can't next week die of a heart attack just like he did, but I always had it in the back of my mind when he died, at least I could control that because maybe I could control it in me, you know, because when he died, we didn't even know what he died from. It was either a brain aneurysm or a heart attack because that's how suddenly he, he died. Thank God it was a heart attack because I always felt in my head, okay, I can control this by diet, lifestyle, etc. But if anybody's going to get it, it's probably going to be me just because of the genetics. But, um, you know, that's why you work so hard to set a good example for you and your kids, you know? Well, you brought up a good point, too, that as long as life can be, it's just not that long. It's not. Right. If, you look, if your father made it to 93, you might feel a little differently, but you would miss him. He would be gone. Absolutely. You would still be next. Totally. And it's all going to come to an end. Right. At some point, be it long or short. Right. So what's really funny that you bring that up, because when my dad passed away, both my grandparents were still alive, his mom and dad. And oh. my grandpa died two years later at 94. So, so it's sad. interesting that you just brought that up and didn't even know it. Is that not a tragedy when families die out of order? That I mean, was the toughest thing I can tell you. I remember the day. I remember exactly what time we went over there to have to go over there and tell them. Yeah. So like it was a completely different role. Like I became like in like 10 seconds, I became like the man of the house to like two or three different parts of my family. And it was just you. You just. You, you do what you can, 
Yeah, it's so, sad when, it when death happens out of order. I don't. It does. I can only imagine what it's like to lose a child. I don't Ugh. ever want to know what it's like. Even at ninety three, I'm sure they were just devastated. And- Absolutely. I mean, I'd never seen that like raw emotion in somebody. I mean, I went to, it was probably like 10 years ago. I was probably like, or maybe in 15, I was like 24. And I remember a therapist who I worked with and was close with. Um, unfortunately, him and his wife had a son and, and her, his son developed a rare form of adult liver cancer and died at eight months. My God. And I told my buddy, I'm like, I can't go to the casket. I just, I cannot do this. I'm like, I couldn't stand to see like that little one in there. I just couldn't do it. And it is worse somehow when they're babies. Oh my gosh. I don't know why it is. It just is. I know it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it hurts and it's worse. It hurts to the people who are still here and have to watch that. Yeah, it's terrible. You're right. So it's just a, it's a phenomenon that I can only describe as surreal if you have not. And I hope and pray all your listeners have never lost a loved one, but it's going to happen to all of us sooner or later. Unfortunately, it's just part of life and it's just a surreal experience. And how you react to that is a real true test of, I think, your character and your your perseverance. Yeah, it made you write a book. It made you, what, yeah. what did you change because of it? I mean, I changed almost everything. I mean, and I didn't think that, I guess, I mean, I was fine. I mean, I was, I was three years or sorry, five years into my career as a physical therapist. I mean, it changed everything in a good way. Um, I got more motivated to in business and self-development because I know my dad had an engineering company. I don't know Jack about engineering. I'm probably never going to know anything about engineering. I mean, I don't know things about machines at all. (laughs) I'm horrible. I'm like Tim, the tool man, Taylor. Everybody remembers that show home improvement. Yeah. That's me. It just goes bad. <laughs> so never can quite get it right. Never can quite get it right. I God knows I try, but it it's just not there. And I think that um he really everything just changed. I mean, the way I looked at things, how I didn't waste time anymore. I stopped watching TV because that was just a waste of time. Isn't I, that the best thing ever though? Yes. And my wife is a huge TV watcher. She does that for relaxation. So that's one thing I've had to kind of get used to. Because if it was up to me, I wouldn't have any TVs in the house or cable. But again, you know, that's... Live with maniacs. No TVs in this house. Right. For years. I think I stopped watching like 13. I know. It's just, to me, it's just not like whatever. But Do what you want. But it does give you a lot of time. Right. So it frees up a lot of your time. So I just, I guess I just approached everything differently because I've, it forced me to truly enter into adulthood. Like I felt like when he died Excellent point. Yeah. You're the only adult left, right? I mean, I have, I was the, I was the only male living that on, you know, in my immediate family or otherwise. And it really, I feel like when he died that I was welcome, not welcomed into adulthood, but I felt like I entered adulthood because I was it. making adult decisions. Adult by default. I mean, like by weekly, I mean, like multiple decisions weekly. And it was, I, I, I thought, okay, this is how I'm under pressure. This is how I'm under stress, but we're trying to hold the family together. I'm like, okay, good qualities to have in business, you know, just keep it in the back of my head. And it was, um, it was a real gut check for me, but I'm thankful that I reacted to the experiences the way that I did. Because I think it's just made me so much better of a person. So when somebody else has to go through the loss of a loved one, I get it. I understand it. 
I'm, I am totally, I'm totally with it, with you in that. And you brought up some excellent points too. control the stuff you can, right? You can't control everything. You're not going to control people's attitudes, people's yeah. reactions, people's words, but you, you can, can take control care of yourself. Right. You can eat better. You right. can work out. You can be more proactive about, you could die tomorrow. And if you died tomorrow, you'd feel a lot better knowing if you know anything at all. Right. Right. That you did as much as you could before you went. I mean, my dad died. I didn't know my wife. I didn't have any businesses. I was, you know, stuck in the same job that I had. Um, I, I mean, so much changed. My job changed. My attitude changed. I had, I got a business. You know, I met my wife That's a year later. I mean, Do you everything. Think any of that would have happened if he would still be alive today? <sighs> I don't know. I know it's a if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle kind of question. Right. But, I don't know. Yeah. Because not that it was the kick in the pants that I needed or I needed a kick in the ass, but it was an interesting question. Part of it also, too, and I've, you know, I've told people this is, this is going to sound really weird, but I always would make decisions and I would always have his voice in the back of my head, right? Well, when he passed away, the only voice I heard was mine. It's gone. And the only heard I, the voice I heard was mine. So um, I was able to make clear decisions what I would do based on my information, not what he would have done. So it, it's just an interesting um, it's an interesting process to go through. I don't think you ever stop going through it, but um, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it. We you know, should. it could be like five seconds or it could be 10 minutes or Sobering, whatever, but right? it is, it is because, you know, anytime, you know, you, you bitch about things you don't want to do or the drudgery of chores or something, you're like, you know, is it really that bad? Enjoy the time. Be grateful for the time that you have. Well, it's totally cliche. It is. It's also true. It is. Right. What would you do if you knew when you were going to die? I, I, we just go through life pretending like we're not right or that we exactly. have all this time that right. we were not promised that right. we don't deserve right that it, life's not going to be fair no you could just die at eight months because of some stupid liver cancer or right. drop dead at 57 or right as sam harris so eloquently puts it if you just live long enough healthy enough you could watch everyone you love die the right. grand dying out of order is just a terrible trend why terrible. do we wait for the, these? I, why do we wait for these things? That's the thing. And I think that's a reason I get so frustrated with some people. Um, people, I guess I just have a problem with people who aren't motivated to take advantage of every minute and second that they have here because they just don't know. You just don't know when it's going to be your last. And you have to think like, if I died tomorrow, okay, what is it? What, what, impact did you have i mean what what are you doing so it's just you know a lot of deep questions but it i'm constantly thinking about that stuff because i think they're just some of life's most important questions to answer i think about a lot too yeah i think if you're not thinking about it you better start right (laughs) you're already behind the eight ball because because no one's getting younger (laughs) even if you did everything perfectly right you're gonna watch everyone you ever cared about or loved die at at some point, if you're live long enough, healthy enough, even if you made it to 150, it's right. not all these right. bad things are going to happen. And right, I it's exactly it. I went to four funerals in 2015 alone, all relatives that were 80 and above. And 
you know, just celebrating, I guess, the long life that all of those people lived was, it was, it was just, it was comforting to me, but it was also the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter. Like if you live 80 years or 20 years, it's, you have to do the most you can with the time that you have. And that's it. And you don't know how much you have. And you don't know how much you have. So it's yeah. it's, it's it's the you question. Strike a balance, right? You can't work like a maniac and not live life. No, right, right. Which again, kick, some people have. Oh yeah, accused dude. Me of. Yeah, I am right. guilty as fuck. Uh, of that, I know, so right? Yeah, exactly. I'm not even pretending to be anything else. Right. I right. do make attempts. Right. Exactly. I right, and that's all Genuine, you can do. Genuine, certified, one hundred percent, with various degrees of success. I make attempts to it. Um, right. I mean, one of the things that my wife likes to do, which is very, very hard for me to do, she likes to watch an occasional movie. Do you want to watch the movie with me? No, I don't. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm like, yeah, yes, I'll watch the movie. That's with a good you. answer. Eric. <laughs> I need to do that. The problem is, is, is that I won't sit still. It's almost like I can't sit still for like two hours and just chill out enough to watch a movie. And then you think to yourself, my God, what is wrong with your brain that you can't sit still and watch a movie for two hours? Or otherwise, I'll be so exhausted. I'll fall asleep like 10 minutes into the say, movie. The, the other side is you fall asleep. I wasn't like this before. It's <laughs> I like wasn't I, either. I just, I, 30 something, I arrived there. I'm like, you want to go? No, you might. No, I. <laughs> You just fall asleep. I was like, I'm, try- I'm really not trying. I, I know. I know. I remember the first movie my wife and I ever saw together, and that was um, Super Bad. Dude, I love that movie. It is the best movie. And God, I so remember funny. the one thing we remember about that movie, besides the fact that it was so funny, is, and we actually saw it in a, a theater in Southfield. There was another couple, only one other couple in the movie theater. And what we talk about to this day was the woman in the theater had one of those like, like belly laughs like so hard that it made you laugh listening to her laugh at the movie which was so funny so we always say is this a super like is this a super bad movie or is it you know (laughs) what i mean because because we still talk about it to that to this day that woman laughing was just so funny well that's why they have laugh tracks right laughter can be infectious it it can yeah just like going to to stand up comedy or or something like that right Right. So this part, success habits, routines, successful yep. or not, books, podcasts, mm-hmm. yeah, things like that. What do you have routines that you think? Obviously, it sounds like you do have a you have a workout routine, a wake up routine, yeah, definitely a reading routine, a self improvement routine. Walk me through the routines that you think are beneficial to you. Yeah. So the, the ones that are beneficial to me, Jeremy are, um, I do wake up at five o'clock every morning. I'm not saying waking up at five o'clock every morning is optimal for everybody. We're talking about you. Eric. Yes. It just works for me personally. Um, and what I'll do is I'll either work out for a half an hour to 45 minutes and I will read something that is either related to success, related to self-improvement, related to business, even if it's just for 15 minutes. What kind of workout do you do? Now, I belong to a gym, but lately for cardio, I've been doing, believe it or not, those T25 workouts. What are those? I haven't heard. Okay, so the guy's name is Sean T. Oh, and okay. he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's on TV right now. Dude, like, those look sick. Okay, so he's on TV right now because there's like some dance CD, but it's not that. Like, this, that's just the product he's you don't promoting. Dance right? early in the morning, Aaron? I don't dance By early yourself? in the morning. No, no. <laughs> 
not G.I. Joe. <laughs> right. They'll never understand. <laughs> They'll be like, these guys are so uptight. It's like, just try it. Try growing up late seventies, early eighties. That's right. <laughs> be effeminate at all. All right. Oh, I mean, are you kidding? I mean, back then, dude. My gosh, I know. Are that, you that's when he was like, "Shut up, faggot!" Like it was just a part of the vocabulary. When you it's go like, back now, you're just horrified. Totally. Horrified. That people even talked like that or even thought like that. Just absolutely right. horrified. But it did happen, and it did exist. No, so. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It was very traditional masculine roles when we were growing up. And then try if you being deviated in the military, from that, oh, where it's high hyper masculinity right. exactly yeah it's just exactly. disgusting right just if you were to record it you would think you were recording like a clan rally or something like that it'd be to- that yeah. kind of intense that far right one way i can totally see that yeah. um but so and at night what i'll usually do is i will e- either close it with some more reading or a podcast is what i do um i like entrepreneur on fire That podcast, I really enjoy that because not only do they have people who've made, you know, multiple millions of dollars, they also have some startup people on there. They also have some people who um, you would never think to connect with ordinarily because your interests are different, but you have a commonality in the fact that you're a business owner and entrepreneur. So I really like that one. Um, I like School of Greatness, too. That's, again, more of a motivational, like... School of Greatness. Yes. I've not heard of that one. Yeah, School of Greatness. The reason I like it I'm is because it, talk. it is a... Um, the guy's name is Lewis Howes, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's a, He um, had a football injury. He was trying out for a professional football team, was broke on his sister's couch. I mean, went through a bunch of stuff, sexual abuse when he was younger, and he really... Um, has some interesting guests. Now, probably some of the guests overlap with Entrepreneur on Fire, too, but I just enjoy some of the people he has on and some of their stories. I like overlap because you get a different take of it. It, It's so true. Depending on how the interview or the podcast is, I completely agree with that because I'm like, oh, I I didn't pick this up last time when I listened to the podcast on Entrepreneur on Fire or vice versa. So those are the two that I like to focus on. I, I really think... I found it. Thank you. School yep. of Greatness. Here yep. we go. Yep. It's, it's a cool thing. It's like, going in Jeremy's phone. It's here now. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, he'll do the podcast himself. Sometimes he'll have guests on. So, But I really think that you can honestly get a nugget of information to apply to your life with some of these podcasts. And these podcasts are great sometimes because they even summarize key points, like even before or after too. So, I mean, for you not to take actionable items out of these things is your own fault if you're not doing that. It's one of the things I want to do that I haven't had time yet that I might start after the first year is there's, it's funny you say that because there's been several moments when I had people, I'm like, Oh my God, I never thought of it that way. Right. And I think I'm going to go back at some point in time and do like a best of or something. Yeah, right. And roll it all in, especially for people who are, aren't going to listen to a two or three hour podcast. Sure, exactly. Go through and kind of help out the audience a little bit. I'm like, all right, I know you're not going to and do that. And then right. also reaffirming it for me. And to your point, um, Jocko Willink, he went on uh, Sam Harris podcast, uh, Tim Harris and Joe Rogan or mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss, Tim Harris. I knew what Tim you Ferriss. meant. Yeah. And Joe Rogan. That's another good one, too. And they were all completely different. Yep. I I think the variety of the podcast. We're living like the golden age of this shit. It's amazing. It is. It's exciting to be listening and being a part of it, too. It is, too. And you can connect with some interesting people, too, you know, uh, outside of it. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to 
you know, you're going to be best friends with them, but it's just interesting to get another perspective and how you can apply that perspective to your life. Yeah. I, I love those points to yeah. your point. What are the, um, some of your other favorite podcasts? I got all excited and interrupted. Oh no, no. Um, <laughs> those are actually, honestly, those are the two that I usually listen to probably the most. Have you listened uh, to Sam Harris podcast? I haven't. And I'm, I, I no, I haven't. What it, t- what it tell me about what his podcast is about. All right. So I don't know if you're into philosophy at all. Um, Sam Harris is lots of things. Okay. Um, but primarily it is a, um, a philosophy show. Okay. Where he's, where he's trying to get to bedrock on ideas, right? Okay. For some people, this is a very disturbing thing to do because they have to think outside of nations, outside of tribes. Right. And also just think of ideas and not attach an idea to a human being. Right. Right. Which can be problematic. Right. But if you're into that kind of thing and he tackles all sorts of things, he tackles violence. Hmm. Um, the podcast he had with Jocko Willink is, and very controversial. I might add, I happen to enjoy it a lot. Um, violence. And when does it work? Interesting. When should it be used? Right. How should it be applied? Hmm. Should it be used at, these are difficult questions to ask, but then all the way over to the other side to psychedelic drugs. Wow. How he's used it, why he stopped using them, what he gained from them, what were the negatives, the pot, like really bedrock stuff to some politics. Right. Um, he doesn't right. approach politics, but like he'll take a political stance and, and break it down. I don't know. I enjoy it. Some of it, sometimes it's un, really uncomfortable to think about. Oh, absolutely. Because of the nature of the yeah. material. Sure. Right. He talks about death a lot, which is how I got that point. He brought it up. Like I never thought about it before. If you lived a perfect life, if you could do such a thing and be as healthy as you possibly could and did everything right. Right. You would still see everybody you love die around you first. Right. If you just live long enough. It's true. It's just, yeah, it's true. I mean, gosh. And for him, because I know I have this problem, the moment mm-hmm. lit for what I, I try. I have a small I'm talking micro. All right. I'm just at the very first step, a two or three meditation process, two or three minute. Meditation. That's all I can do. That's, that's it's fine. a start. It's, yeah. I mean, you, they suggest 15 minutes or working way up to I'm 15 minutes. So I can't far do away 15 minutes. That. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I can get up to about five. Where I'm like completely focused on what the That's obviously good. there's meditation as much point. as I'm doing, you know. I mean, so there's a point of why you're doing it. So I can do it for about five minutes, but after five minutes, the so thought hard. the thoughts come running in, and I'm just like, oh jeez. I know they go. say I'm let it slip away, it. notice it, and let it slip away. I'm like, how the fuck do you let it slip away? No, I feel like I'm in like an elevator, and I feel like like there's a bunch of like 500 pound elephants yeah. like in the elevator with me, and they're all the thoughts, and I can't like the more distinguish tried, them out. Yes. Right, the more I try to do it, I'm like just closer, closer, exactly. No, right, no, let like, go. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Right, For those right. listening, I just literally put my hand in my face. You could hear it. That, that's what it feels like after three minutes. It's like it's a pillow trying to smother but, me. Hey, at least it's three minutes. Yeah, it's a start. It's better than nothing. Because what it, he brings up an excellent point. All we have is the moment. Right. The past right. is a memory in the present, and the future is anxiety in yep. the present. Right. All you have is the present, and yet we spend most of our time regretting the past with anxiety for the future or bitching about the past or pretending we have a crystal ball looking into the future. I mean, or tragically ignoring our children and our loved ones. How many people do that? Right. While obsessing over these things, right. It's called the waking up San Harris podcast. 
I'll have, to, I'll have to look that one up because I'm not familiar with that one either. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. I don't know anybody in between. I so. think I'll probably enjoy it because his perspectives, it sounds like, and his points are not necessarily, they don't sound mainstream. No. Which is, no. I kind of like, I like that. Well, and he's trying to get to some deeper truth, undoing our ape-like minds and biases, which right. is incredibly difficult, folks. It's, it's very not an difficult. easy thing to do. You know? Yep. Yeah, especially when you've believed that that's been the norm for how long? Oh yeah, we'll do right. It. Sign up for the United States military. The greatest country on there. I'm gonna go, you know, <laughs> kill other people because of geography. You know, like <laughs> lots of bad ideas here. Right. I know how uncomfortable it is. What about books? Reading all those books. I know. What were some of your favorite? Books oh that gosh, you read? that's a great question. Um, I really liked Rework. Um, by oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the author. Jason Freed? I think so. I think so. Jason something. Yeah. Um, I'll look it up while you're talking. Yep. I really liked that um, that book. It was it was more out of the boxy. That was one of the more recent books um, that I read. Certainly the one book that, which is, this is going to sound like the ultimate cliche, the one book that I started to read that got me on my path. I remember my dad got it for me 16 years ago for Christmas was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Jason Freed. Jason yes. Freed. Well, yeah. Of course. It's such so, a simple book, it, but it if is, you've never right. thought that way before, how exactly. would you think it without reading the book? Exactly. So that's why I was so appreciative of that book, obviously. Um, one other book that I like, and it's almost like a daily reader. I, I, I know you know John Maxwell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I have his, somebody bought me for Christmas one year, um, like a daily reader. And it has just like either a motivational thing or a business lesson with a practical example every day. So I enjoy reading that every day just because it sharpens your focus a little bit. Um, but my philosophy is there's so many books and so little time. So, but those are some of my favorites that I like. Good to great was also very, very good. In That's terms, a good book. In terms of them delving into the detail and the That's study, hard to do too. How do you no let kidding. go of what got you good? Exactly. When it's keeping you from being great. I feel like that's my struggle right now. I finally so got my life kind of, and there's other parts I have to let go of. Right. And it feels like I'm walking across a rope across a Grand Canyon and I'm holding on to the one thing keeping me from falling to my fucking death. But well, it's the one thing I need to let go of to do even better. And I know that's all in my head. It's so funny you say that because I obviously went through something very similar when I decided to leave the clinic. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? And I just resigned this past Monday. So Wow, I got you fresh. Oh, yeah. I got you yeah. fresh. So see, it was a good thing that I couldn't come two hey, weeks ago, right? You have Everything okay. happens for the yeah. reason, right? He did have to reschedule. <laughs> um, so I got you fresh on the it, it was, released but th into the wild. That is exactly how I felt, though. Exactly. Like, I felt like I was walking on a tightrope, and I couldn't break free from the, not the security blanket, but the the good to get to the great. Well, because that's what got you here. Right. But that's not that's not what's going to get me to where I want to go. Excellent point. Hard to get hard to let go. Right. So I'll let you know when I figure it out. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> if and, and when. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that it's going to work or not going to work, but I you I knew go. I had to make that decision because I I don't just want to be good. And I think that that's part of the disease all of us entrepreneurs and business people have. We never just want to be good. We always want to be great or the best. Well, the the great ones stick around. The good ones don't. Right. 
That's another good point. Yeah. I don't know anybody good who sticks around. Right. You want to have sticking power and lasting power. And and the only way to do that is you got to make some drastic changes. I try and think of it as reliable over decades, too. Right. That's something fine to aspire to. Absolutely. I mean, there's something to be said with that slow and steady wins the race. I I mean, we want to do, yes, we want to do everything at lightning speed. I'm guilty of it worse than most, but... You know, I just really think that slow and steady applies in many, many cases sometimes. Well, I have noticed that the people who can think in terms of decades yes, do way better than people like me at the beginning anyway, who thought in terms of quarters or just a few years. Right. That's not um, – you do have to pay attention to that. But sure. the ones sure. I, who had just – it seems like they had great success. They actually just had a great – patient plan plan and, and they executed the plan very well right and they made they had to make the same changes they were just thinking longer term which you can just you apply time here we are again applying time exactly it's obvious what the benefits to thinking long term are but it could be very difficult for me very difficult extremely difficult for me to think in those kind of terms oh yeah because you, because everything's so uncertain too. You don't know. I mean, you can do your best plans, but the best laid plans can get blown to smithereens sometimes. And you have to have the ability to adjust and tweak, you know, to to what you're doing. I mean, who who knew? I mean, you could be sitting, you know, in a room and meeting your business partner. You know, you never you know. know. Like yeah. I like how I did. I mean, it's just so interesting, I guess, how life works out sometimes. But yeah, you need to have a plan. Everybody needs to have a plan or otherwise what are you what are you shooting for? I have a question for you. Um did you have a problem quitting? Quitting did I have a problem quitting the clinic? No, just quitting. Like if like yeah. let's say you start something yes. and then it becomes very obvious it's not gonna work out or you suck at it. Like, it doesn't matter why. How, because that's one thing I noticed too, these people who can think in terms of decades, also they jettison things quickly where I noticed I had, I just, I wouldn't quit something. I'd ride that fucker all the way into the dirt, pick my teeth up afterwards and then yep. ride it a little further. I, I do have a problem quitting because it's just not in my nature to do it. It wasn't how I was taught. So I, I completely understand that perspective and that point. And yes, I should have quit things earlier than I probably did. Mm. And that's a very important lesson, I think, in business and in life. When shit's not working out, get rid of it. Yeah, you have to. And focus on the stuff that does or focus on the stuff you want to work or but whatever. it's tough because you can't be a wimp about it and just stop when it gets hard. I know, right. Exactly. So there's a there's a fine line between between that. And I, I'm not going to say that I haven't figured no, it out because I, I don't. I don't. So And I still struggle with it. Yeah. I was just curious because we have so much in common now sitting down and talking to him. I'm like, right. I wonder if he has a problem. Oh, I totally too. do. And I, I will tell you that people who know me would probably. They would say Eric has a problem quitting. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Do what, I, just I would rather drive quitting with being a loser and, you know, right. just exactly. Yeah. But I'd rather drive through the brick wall <laughs> than try to find a way around it. Yeah. Because, you know, I can drive through the brick wall. Oh, Why yeah. can't I? Night Rider. Right through. Like yeah. It's nothing. Let's go, Kit. Me and Kit. Through yeah. the brick wall. All the way. <laughs> or the General Lee. With right. With terribly politically incorrect <laughs> racist flags. I used to love those shows. Oh, so. Yeah. It's like watching them. those cartoons too. They're, I know on Saturday morning they're awful. You remember would, the Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner? Oh, it was the so guns, bad. the violence, yeah. the, or the racism. 
sexism? Yeah. Misogyny? I mean, it was. <laughs> but we were just like, yeah, Saturday morning cartoons are on. Who wants? You know who wants to watch? You it? would never let your children watch this shit. Do you know what's really <laughs> funny is that? So one of the shows I used to watch when I was really little was Tom and Jerry. Oh yeah. Okay, right. Nothing necessarily good about the cartoon. I can't remember if it was my wife or my mother in law let my son watch Tom and Jerry. I'm like, you can't do that. Oh man. hell no. no, 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 no. This is a little too, yes. a little too violent for. Violence is real. It's not a play. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. This is an '80s and '90s cartoon, and this. But remarkably enough, though, and I don't know why this is. Well, yeah, I do. There was no internet, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I know the answer, but I don't ever remember when we were growing up. Schools getting blown up, bomb scares in schools. I mean, the last thing I ever thought about when I was in high school was a bomb scare or someone coming in with a gun. I was focused on sports, girls in school. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing else really. No violence in your school? There are plenty of violence in my schools. I went to lots of, well, I went to 13 different schools. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, military life, right? Moving around everywhere. True. 13 different schools. Uh, I mean, there was an occasional. No shootings, though. Yeah, there there was an occasional fight. But there wasn't like any, I mean, nothing like what they have now. Like kid, you know, some of my patients who are kids, they talk about it like, oh, yeah, you know, we had a we had a bomb threat today. Like, you know, I went to lunch, I had a ham and cheese sandwich and, you know, then we had a bomb threat. So you didn't have well, I'm like, I'm like, so I'm like asking, oh, my God, like, did you have to evacuate the school? Like what happened? But and they're like talking, you know, while they're on the phone, mind you, and saying, yeah, it was just I think we just had to evacuate the building. Okay. (laughs) And that's the difference between going to school now and going to school when we went to school. Well, I, when I lived in London, I lived in London. I went to school when the IRA was still blowing people up on the tube Mm. and blowing people up. So I remember what that was. They did that when I was there we did the drills and there were also, um, threats against Americans and foreign countries. So that for me was normal. Right. Um, I mean, I don't even remember being scared by it either. It was very strange. It was wow. just part of the, how it was. was it right. didn't occur to me that there were other people who didn't have to worry about it. Right. Exactly. I mean, I feel like I live like such a sheltered, like not sheltered in a bad way, but just, just the stuff didn't happen. I well, mean, I would say that's how it's supposed to be. I, you're right. <laughs> and I, I'm so fortunate that I got to grow up yeah. in an environment that was like that. But I mean, you just hear all the stuff that you know kids have to go through now and you're gonna make me think i hadn't thought about that at all until you had brought it up that's another reason i like doing podcasts now i have to go think about this (laughs) thanks eric (laughs) no problem let me go process this further trauma seriously (laughs) i mean i'll go watch some racist tom and jerry (laughs) those cartoons are terrifying it's funny you brought that up aren't they i mean like when i think about what happened there was always somebody like dying or getting blown up or or something i mean i and it's weird like you would i would never let my kids watch that now you know now it's more like educational stuff absolutely you know learning about foreign languages and i'm just like it's just so funny how things have changed in a good way. In a very good way. Yeah. Yeah. In a yeah, good like, way. By the way, you can raise kids without extreme violence. It's possible right. and preferable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, please, let's just. Let's Everything just you're worried nice. about, you actually get with violence and you get what you're not worried about if you stop the violence. Exactly. But it's, yeah, it's exactly. difficult to do. What? All right. What about um, examples? 
Was there anybody or entrepreneurs or people? I know father was a big example in your life, sure, right? Sure. That, yeah. That sounds like definitely a big one, but if there was another, I'd be interested. That is a really good question. Like who? And maybe it's nobody. I don't know. Um, God, I'm going to get so lambasted for this, especially with the current political climate. But I always thought Donald Trump was fascinating for the way that he conducted his business, the little I know of it, and for the way that he seemed, at least from what we know, to bounce back from adversity and difficulty. He did. He did. I mean, he's been bankrupt more than once. I think, but maybe maybe I have my facts. Not incorrect. personally, just okay. his businesses. Just the businesses, yeah. right. And which is I confusing guess I, for people who've never run a business. Correct. They don't know. They think he has no money personally, and how does he live in yeah. what he was in that's not yeah. true, right? He actually paid all those people back. He He just seems bankrupt. I just like him because he has he's confident in himself. He doesn't necessarily care what you think about how he runs his business. And he knows what he's doing and where he wants to go. But he's probably, obviously, maybe a generous person on the side, too, in terms of charitable. So, again, as a, as a model before he ran for president. No, Eric, he's evil. He hates, he I hates mean, baby major Jesus. I and know. Mexicans I mean, all and, this stuff. I mean, yeah. good Lord. But you have to respect, which I do think a lot of people, you might not agree with him politically, and that's fine. But I think a lot of people respect where he's come from in business. Not talking about his personal life, not talking about his political life, just focused right on the business aspect Dude, of him. I love how he's just mangling the Republican Party. I don't know. I think it's kind of funny myself. Like, I, now, I And let it. me just say this, Jeremy. I have not watched one second of a Republican debate. It's great. I have not. You got to so, watch them all. So, yeah, I have not. So I don't know really what goes on. It's the best election cycle ever. You're missing out on all the good. I, I heard this one tonight. I think Hillary is now a racist. Uh, <laughs> oh, misogyn- she has a vagina, but somehow she's a racist. Misog- oh, geez. The left turned on her like I, you think the right has attacked Hillary. You got to look how the left they're 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 doing all the work for the right, tearing her down, trying to get Bernie Sanders. It's like watching them eat their young a little (laughs) bit. They're not going to go that far. Oh, no, they did. There's no depth. It's kind of morose. Right. Um, You have to be a certain personality to enjoy this kind of thing. But um, I, you know, I also kind of love those entrepreneurs who have um, kind of a social bent to what they're doing, too. The only one that come, pops into my head, not because, I mean, he, I do respect what he does, is the guy who owns Tom's Shoes. I think his name is Blake. Oh, yeah. Buy one. <sighs> you buy a shoe. Yes. And he'll give yes. so somebody many pe- a shoe. Who correct. Can, yeah, because a so lot of many, the world don't So many shoes. people have adopted that model with their product that I think he was probably one of the pioneers who trumpeted that, you know, first. I really do think that that's great. I'm not saying all businesses can be like that, that you can match product for product because some people don't sell products. But I I do really enjoy that thinking because nobody's really ever thought of that before. I love it. To that point. I love it because it proves that one person can do something in the free market. Right. That's something I hate. Like, what would we do without the violence of the state making people do things? and And he proved that you can 
there do are it problems worldwide. You right. can solve right using and, the free market without violence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that he's found a way, and I think that he's almost patterned a business model out of you know out of that. So, and I and I got to tell you, some of these entrepreneurs who go on that on the Shark Tank show. Oh, good. That's great. These are these are truly everyday American people who are going on there, standing in front of people with gazillions of dollars. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but Pretty much though. you know what I'm saying. All the money, right? Yeah. And some of those people, I mean, kudos to you. I am cheering for you and. Hopefully one day maybe I can be a partner with you on something because those people to me are pretty inspiring. I mean, to do that on that level, good for you guys. And they you don't deserve call it it. Shark Tank for no reason. I mean, it's, I've watched a few right. of those on YouTube. Yes, and right. I mean, and sometimes you better it, come prepared. It looks like you better come you're prepared. You're not going to leave with all your parts if not. Right. Exactly. And that's true. I mean, you know, I mean, they obviously cut out at a lot of what we see. You of know? course, right. I mean, and you get the best of the best. Of, and the worst course, of the worst. Of course, right. But I, I really do. I'm inspired by those people too because I think that that's what America should be. I think it should be. You can create your own destiny through path A, B, and C. I'm not saying it's going to work out all the time, but that's at least the, the opportunity. Right. Yeah. So I really think that that show inspires people to do that on a on a great level. Is there anything that you would like to talk about that we haven't talked about? If I missed, if I somehow was remiss, and um, I'm going to take a quick look here through. I mean, I could ask another three hours of questions. <laughs> but but I'm half. sure you're, I'm sure your listeners would be entirely bored by that yeah. point. My, my two hundred. <laughs> yeah. um, we're almost up to what, 300 Sparta see look what 300 people can do <laughs> you know uh, you know honestly it's I, I can't I can't think of anything unless you want to fire more questions at me I, I, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff well, yeah, we're covered which a lot. is great no, I, I think I'm good I would like though if I can I want to check in on you six months a year and see how you're doing I would love to come back yeah, that'd, that'd be, be a lot of fun yeah. yeah let me see what are we at February now so on August yeah, yeah. sure It'd be interesting to see because I'm, I'm curious. I obviously am a fan of wholesaling. I like it. Sure. So right. I, you know, I'm going to be watching with great interest and get some. I think it would be fun to work with Mike Squared. And, and I mean, there's some killers right there. That's the important part. Surround yourself with stone cold deal makers. Man. Look, I mean, Mike and I, Mike Simmons and I. I mean, we've tossed business ideas back and forth just because we're friends. We're, you know, sometimes we helped each other in each other's businesses. And as long as you surround yourself with great people who have a vision, you're probably not going to go wrong. Yeah. Don't so. Don't make the mistake I did and surround yourself with bad people. That does not turn out well. Well, I mean, like I, like we talked about before, you have the best of intentions with with people when they start, you know, and doesn't work out and sometimes it doesn't work out yeah. and that's okay so it'll be fun to watch I'm yeah gonna, i'm gonna enjoy it well thank you i want to thank my guest eric tomei free time today i had a good time man yeah absolutely thank this you for having great. me on you should buy his book too i'll put the link in there i miss my dad actually to tell you the truth i'm not even publishing it anymore no so you can't buy it so you really can't buy it Bye, folks. <laughs> Don't buy his book. I don't want to. I don't want to lead people into to, yeah. to anything. So. What, about, what about if you made it? Can you make it an ebook? I was thinking about that. Actually, that's been, I've been entertaining that the last couple of years. And then give it away. I 
probably could do that. Actually, that's probably a, for an email at least. Yeah, right. that actually it's probably not a bad idea. Maybe that's my next little project that I'm yeah. going to work on, Jeremy. Because it's a good point. Publishing that's not a fun thing to do. I don't think. Right? No, it's costly. It is. I went through the process. It's not fun. Yeah, but you could make it available. If he ever makes it available via ebook, if you go to Renegade, uh, if you go to Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club and like. If and when he ever makes it available, I will post it there. And if he does, I'll put it in the show notes, too. Perfect. Thanks, Eric. So go to Eric Tomei. If you send him an email, Eric, E-R-I-C-T-O-M-E-I at gmail.com. Go to the website, blueskyhealthcare.net. Check out what he's doing. Give him a follow. Appreciate your time today. And if you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, folks, give it a like. It's a free podcast. Share it with your friends who you think might enjoy it. If you wouldn't mind, I'd really appreciate it if you rated it on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever preferable podcast app you use. It really does help out. And um, hey, at the end of the year, I'm going to go back and reevaluate. So this is important. If you enjoy this podcast, if you like it, please help me out. Okay. Um, go to renegadedetroit.com. Comments or suggestions are appreciated. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. If and ever get around to editing these videos somehow, go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. I keep putting that out there as motivation for myself and maybe I'll eventually get to it. I appreciate your patience with that, folks. And as I wrap up this podcast, you know it's coming. I we'll take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I'm going to say this every week, man. Get off your ass and do some shit, all right? Nobody's going to save you. If you haven't figured that out yet, you have to save yourself and then save everybody else around you, too, if you can, all right? I know there are distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad starts in life. I get it. You'll make mistakes. I get it, man. Pick a goal. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day. Get you closer, even if it's one step. And thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate your attention. I know you could be doing lots of other things. So thank you. And until next week, crush it.